Big show planned. Always more fun when you are involved. That's what I've been saying for years. Do you believe me yet? 312-981-7200. That is the phone number. That is also the text number. If you choose telephonic communication, you will be greeted by the lovely voice of Cody. Oh, I'm still here, Goff. He's the executive producer from Rockford, Illinois. If you are nice to him, you get to me. That's how it works. Social media, you like that? Sure. Who doesn't like social media? Facebook and Twitter, it's Brian Noonan Show. You can follow us uh, there as well and stay updated on everything that's been going on. Uh, we were not here last week because of sports. But Cody and I, do you, do you realize that in the last two weeks we've seen more of each other than we know that probably we have all year? We've yeah. been socializing like maniacs. We've been pals. Oh man, it's almost like we like we're friendly, like we like we like each other's company outside of the radio station. Let's not get carried away. Yeah, that's what I you know. It's all for show purposes. It's all, it's all for, for Instagram. It's a, yes, it's all for the gram, uh, which you chastised me last Saturday for not tagging you more on Instagram, which I found very teenage girlish. But uh, so I immediately tagged you in a, in a photo. I'm nothing if not a little bit teenage girly. You did seem you did seem uh, overwhelmed that, uh, and and you actually you didn't come right to me with it. This is why it seemed very mean, girls. You went, uh, you had your wife talk to my wife. It came to me through back channels that Cody was upset that I didn't tag him enough on Instagram. Yeah, I had my people talk to your people. Right, because we don't, uh, despite being in the same room and uh, sharing, spending time together, we don't like to communicate when we're in, when we're in, those, uh, in those situations. Right. Yeah, all right. Well, that makes sense. So I immediately tagged you in that post. And you know what I found after I tagged you in the post? Guess who didn't like that picture? I don't use Instagram. Then why do you care if I tag you or not? Because. I don't... <laughs> Because why? Principles, Brian. Principles. Well, one, I'm not going to tag you in a picture you're not in. That's, you know. That's fair. <laughs> I think that's fair. I will give you that. All right. So, uh, you know, the picture I posted last week when we were at Irish Fest, you were in it. Prominently displayed. Yeah. So uh, so I tagged you. Thank you. And I always say, you know, on the Facebook stuff, we tag when we, uh, I tag you when we're going to be doing things together, which we've been doing. Like I said, we've been doing a lot. We, uh, this, today we're going to talk uh, some theater because... I have uh, two shows that I need to uh, tell you about, one of which Cody went to. Uh, Cody and his lovely wife, Dr. Mrs. Uh, Cody Goff. Doctor, is it, can we use uh, her first name yet? Yeah, we're good. All right, I don't know. If, you know <laughs> some people don't want to be, some people don't want to be identified. They don't want to be linked to you or this program or me. Oh, everyone wants to be linked to this program. Who wouldn't, to, to be quite honest? Who wouldn't want to be linked to this program? The reason other we... than management. Who, who, who would? Who else would disavow this program's existence? I don't. I don't think there's anybody. Nobody with a, a half a brain in their head, quite frankly, would do that. Um, so we're going to talk some theater. We're going to talk uh, Les Mis, or Les Miserables, if you are French, or Les Miserables, if you are me, uh, and then Cats. I will say this though. There is a very special Bowtie Theater review that will drop at 10 o'clock this evening on our Facebook page, the Brian Nooner Show Facebook page. And you may be saying, why all the cloak and dagger? Why all the skullduggery? Why are you keeping things such a secret? Well, I am under embargo. That's right. I love to say that, Cody, because it makes me sound like I work for the State Department. I'm <laughs> under Really, I'm just a guy who went to a show. Uh, but I am under embargo. I cannot talk about this show until after 9 o'clock tonight. So uh, just to be safe, we are dropping the uh, the review that we taped earlier. We are dropping that at 10 o'clock tonight. 
and we'll talk more about it. So we're going to talk about theater. We're going to talk to uh, Michael Osaki. We'll be here after 5 o'clock from BaseballInTheAttic.com. So if you have any sort of sports memorabilia around the house, especially on a day when uh, Harold Baines has been inducted into Baseball's Hall of Fame, if you have any sort of baseball stuff, sports memorabilia, make sure that you are listening after 5. You can call in, and Michael will tell you if you have a treasure worthy of retirement or if you just have a really cool souvenir. So either way... We'll do that after 5 and after 6. It's at the breweries, but right now we must head to the newsroom. Uh, Chicago Stories, told 24-7 on 720 WGN Chicago. Hey, smart speaker users, just say play WGN Radio on TuneIn. It is 4 o'clock in the afternoon with the news. Here's Pam Jones. Uh, I Oh, man, I had to take to Twitter again, Cody. You know I love to take to Twitter now that I have the uh, blue check mark. Uh-oh, what I happened? I love to use it. I love to wield Twitter like an anvil. Well, more like a hammer that slams the anvil. So uh, we ordered a mat. We, I realized we hadn't bought a mattress in about 17 years. Now, they say your mattress maybe 10 years, maybe 12 years time, 17 years since we bought a mattress. And when we bought the mattress the last time, we were living in California, and we got, uh, we got hustled, if I may say. One, I was much bigger than I am now. I was, I was large and not in charge. So here I'm just smaller and not in charge. So some things stay the same, which is fun. But uh, I bought, we bought a very firm mattress, and we bought, I remember, we almost bought it as an impulse buy. We knew we needed a mattress, because in my whole adult life, uh, from the time I left my parents' house to my first apartment to, to today, I have only had three mattresses. It's a long time. I, uh, let's just say I like to wear things out. You can ask Debbie the same thing. <laughs> she's, she's pretty much worn out. But uh, how many mattresses have you had? Is this your, what are you on, your first, your second? I'm on the second one that I got in the last, like, my adult life, basically. Okay. I, 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 my first one lasted me about 10 years, 9 or okay. 10 years. All 8, right. 8, 9, 10, somewhere pretty... in there. <laughs> what? Maybe one, 7. 1, 2, 3, Could be 4, six. 5, 6, 5 years, 8 years, maybe. I, did, did you even have a mattress? Was seven, it a blow-up mattress? Seven, between 7 and 10 years. So I may have been a little late on was replacing it. Was it one of those it. inflatable pool mattresses? What do you, you have uh, a real mattress. It was a real mattress, and moreover, when I first yes. moved to the city, I had it on an actual frame, which I lived That's... with a guy who still, in his mid-30s, does not have his mattress in a frame. If your mattress is just laying on the floor, you're a derelict. That's how <laughs> that's how people in crack houses live. Just mattresses on the floor. Even even in shelters, the beds are on a frame. If you do not have your bed on a frame, you are living lower than a shelter. And that is not to cast an aspersion on the the people who have to be in shelters. I, you know, they need a place to live. My my point is they get frames. You're in, you're not you, but you in the figurative you are supposedly a self-sufficient adult. And frames half the time if you buy a mattress, they'll throw the frame in for free. Mm-hmm. Or you can pick up see a frame you could buy off Craigslist or something from somebody cuz they don't have bed bugs, they're just metal. So there's no excuse to just have your box spring and mattress on the floor. Be it's not a uh, hip. It's not uh, you know, you're not counterculture. You're not John Lennon living at the, the the hotel in New York. You're just you're just a, a derelict. <laughs> so th- I'm glad you said you had a frame. I have always had a frame. Yeah. Even even in my youngest days. You know why? Not a derelict. <laughs> not a derelict. Plus, when I bought my first mattress when I was living alone, I was working at Fields. Got the frame for free. Threw, Whoa. threw it right in. Nice. Got my discount, my employee discount. Got my mattress. Boom. 
So the last one we bought, I was uh, we bought this. Um, it's a brand. As I do research, like I researched it now because I would. We were saying that we had a Stearns and Foster, which is not true. We had a Chatham and Wells. Now Chatham and Wells, as I re- as I research now, seventeen years later, uh, is a boutique luxury mattress firm from California. Well, we were living in California, so it makes sense. Uh, we way overpaid for a mattress back in the day because we were trying to find the firmest mattress to support my gigantic frame. Not the bed frame, just my physical being uh, needed a huge mattress to hold it up. So I think 17 years ago, we may have paid, and I'm embarrassed to say this because, again, we got hustled. We, we paid almost three grand of money we didn't have. That's a lot of That's money for a mattress. Great. Well, I looked up that same mattress today. It was $3,700, like to rebuy it today. Wow. So it's it's, you know... Uh, boutique, which is code word for we're going to charge you a lot for luxury. Anyway, so it was time to get rid of this thing because it had, uh, between 17 years of use, its unbelievable firmness when we bought it, and now uh, more than a decade and a half of sweat and uh, body juice and everything else, uh, this mattress was, it was like sleeping on the concrete. It was unbearable. A year ago, I bought one of those big foam top things for it because I was like, well, you know, I was still under the impression that I was going to have to pay another three grand for a mattress, which because I'm, you know, that that's probably why I only buy three mattresses in a lifetime because I'm like, I can't afford that, even though it doesn't a fraction of that. So I bought this big foam thing with a foamy pad, a foam memory foam pad, big thick foam pad, and then a padded segmented cover because I was like, well, that was like 165 bucks. And I was like, well, that's much cheaper than 3000 so I'm sure that'll work. <laughs> uh, it's like throwing, uh, if you were going to sleep on the sidewalk, but you threw down a couple of quilts. It doesn't make it that much more comfortable. By minuscule amounts, it's a little more comfortable, but not as much. All right, so anyway, it's time for a mattress. We find them, oh, man, you know, back near 4th of July, they go on sale. So we moved, we moved this old mattress to the new house. Two weeks later, big mattress sales. All right, it's time to buy a mattress. So we go, my wife and I, two weeks ago, we dropped Molly at the airport. We go to the store, and we're laying on all the mattresses, which is a gross way to have to shop. And I know people now just buy people just buy their mattresses online. Did you buy your last mattress online? No, remember, I got it used. That's even gross. And you spent an entire show uh, just berating me for it. Did I? Yeah. Can you just pull that up so I can repeat it? So I don't have to. So I don't have to waste my energy berating you for buying a used mattress. Do you know what happens on mattresses? You and Everything Roger. From intimacy to homicide. That's there's a wide range of things that happen on a mattress. From. <laughs> oh, I know all about the intimacy. The person that sold it to us oh. specifically told us. Every boyfriend I've ever had has told me this is the most comfortable mattress they've slept on. So you bought a Hoover mattress. Oh, yeah. Wow. It was well broken in. But you know what? It was a king-size mattress, very high quality. Normally retails for a couple grand. Got on for 100 bucks. Yeah. She'd only had it for a year. How bad can it be? We washed it. How many it. boyfriends did can she have Can we not go back through this? All right. We don't can we, have... Also, if you're listening and you uh, you work for Purple or Casper or Sleep Member, any of those, yeah. you know, text us at the station. I'll send you my PayPal address, and uh, we'll have this segment sponsored by you. That would be great I'll because uh, we can use another mattress in the uh, in the other room. And Molly, we bought Molly's mattress online for New York. Yeah. We bought her one of those foam mattresses online that come in a little box. It was amazing. 
it comes in a little box. I carried it up up to her apartment, her first apartment. I opened the box, and then it was like Pillsbury muffins. The mattress just exploded and came out, and, it, and she loves it. But but that's Molly. She's she's the young generation. They like to buy stuff online. I like to go lay on it in a store, which is creepy. Thinking about all the other, I yell at you for buying a used mattress. I laid on about forty mattresses that God only knows what kind of people have laid on. You know, people and their children and their headlights, everything's been on these mattresses. I mean, when you bring a mattress home, like, you don't touch your actual mattress. You've got the the down the white thing on top of it. Called the mattress pad. Sure. The mattress pad on it. And then sometimes you've got the, uh, like, a foam thing. You, and know then you, you, can get... st- you know you can still get bed bugs. And then you, I, it did not have bed bugs. Okay, I'm just saying. I... A mattress pad is not the, the be-all, end-all. No, but what I'm saying is, uh, barring bed bugs, it's like there's like four layers of things between you and the actual mattress. Then Would you get you claim, the top sheet. What about an alley mattress? What are your feelings on an alley mattress? An alley mattress has been outside for an undisclosed amount of time. What if you saw the person bring it out and just set it in the alley? Well, then it would have touched the ground, and then it would be off limits. If a person is carrying a mattress out, and they have it in their arms, and then I look at them and I say, Hello, <laughs> Don't put that down. hello sir or madam, before you let that touch the ground, hand it to me. And then in that event, I might be tempted to, to, to you know take it, but I would have to know the history of it. I would have to Did get you a... ask the young lady how many men uh, tested the mattress with her? I imagine it was a fair amount. Did she have a frame or was it on the ground? It was on a frame. Okay. I'm pretty sure. All right. This was a long time ago. We, well, I can pull up the tape. You and Roger both had a field day with it. I can only as imagine. As you're continuing sure. to well, do listen, now. I, you know, there's some things you don't buy used. How many? Underpants ha- and mattresses. You want to get a high? You know what? At least I didn't pay 37 I saved myself $3,600. You did. And but, you know what? If I want to sleep on something disgusting and that costs me, and that, you know, that doesn't, that saves me $3,600. I'll take it. Fair enough. All right, point taken. Yes, we got <laughs> hustled. I'm the first to admit it. So we buy, so we lay down. We find a mattress that we both uh, we both like. We think this is going to be the one. Everything is dandy. So we order it, and they say, oh, in about a week, week and a half, you'll get a, an email telling you when they're going to deliver because the store doesn't have the mattresses. The store uh, calls, uh, who did we get? Beauty Rest. Ding, 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 beauty rest. Yes, Brian Noonan sleeps on a beauty rest. It's a showroom floor. Isn't that beauty? Yes. So uh, we bought a beauty rest mattress, and uh, they were going to have some third-party deliver it, which is fine. So we wait a week. Then we wait a week and a half. So on Wednesday, Debbie gets a, an email. Hey, we're going to deliver the mattress Thursday between 2 and 4. She says, okay. And she calls me. She said, we're there 2 and 4 tomorrow. I said, okay, I'll come home right after school, and I'll hang around till 4 o'clock waiting for this mattress. So I go home Thursday, I take, I strip the bed so it's just this big overpriced block of cement that used to be a mattress is ready to be lifted, and I wait. And, you know, when you're waiting, it's when you're like when you're waiting for cable or phone or computer, anything that you have to wait for a service technician's window, it's a nightmare because there's stuff you can do around the house, but then there's other stuff that you could be doing, but meanwhile you're waiting for these people who may or may not show up in the window they're supposed to. Well, what happened, and why did I use Twitter as my personal sword of Damocles? I'll tell you the rest after this. Ah, the tease, Cody, WGN. So suffice it to say, Thursday at 4, the mattress still had not come, and I jokingly text Debbie, hey, they did tell you this Thursday, right? To which she gets on the phone. Turns out this company had uh, decided to reschedule our appointment but not tell us. So now they're telling us, well, it might be Friday, it might be Saturday. Uh, we don't know, which uh, I find not uh, not at all acceptable. Neither did Debbie, who lost her mind. 
So Friday morning, after after talking to people, all right, well, we open it fr- Friday morning at 8 o'clock. We will call you and tell you what time it'll be there. Okay, it should, you know, we're saying it should be first. It should be on the truck. Well, let's we'll see. 9 o'clock comes. Uh, Debbie has been on hold with this company for about 45 minutes trying to find out where the mattress is. She finally gets somebody, well, we think it'll be there between 2 and 4 today. So I, I take it upon myself to uh, tweet to the store that I bought the mattress from, hey, you may want to re, uh, re-examine your relationship with this delivery company. And I list all the things because as I pull up this delivery company, consistent one-star reviews, no accreditation from the Better Business Bureau, uh, everybody who's sending a comment in about this company is saying how horrible they are. So I say to the, the store that I bought it from, this reflects poorly on you. The blue check worked miracles. Within a couple minutes, I get a response from the store. We're so sorry. Please send us a direct message, and uh, we'll get it figured out. Long story short, 3.58, there's a knock on my door. It's two guys with the mattress in the box spring. And I'm like, oh, you just got it under the wire. So the mattress is there, and I'm finding I am not, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not used to it yet. So a couple nights of bad sleep. Yeah, we'll see. We will see. Do you have a mattress pad? I've got a mattress pad, of course I do, and then I have another pad that we got suckered into buying uh, that protects the mattress and the warranty. It's uh, I don't know what it is. It's a thin terry cloth thing that you know, for ten years it's supposed to protect the mattress. If it doesn't protect the mattress, then you get your they buy you a new mattress. I don't know, sixty bucks. But I will say we paid less than a third uh, for this new box spring mattress than we did seventeen years ago. Wow. So, so there you go. There you go, friends. Uh, live and learn. Wouldn't it have been funny if I go, and this time, I only paid four grand. So just think, I only <laughs> But when I factor out that 30, 32, 3,500 over 17 years, it's not, that's why I had to keep the mattress that long. It wasn't that it was still comfortable. It was, <laughs> I was just like, no, we got to make sure we, uh, we get our money's worth. You know, we got a text that said that uh, one listener's bed would be too high with a frame, and the listener doesn't want the cats under the bed. Going back That's, to your discussion no, of please. not having a frame. First of all, one, you can get low-rise uh, box springs, because my bed is on a, on a bed, and uh, we had to get, we got the low-rise box spring, because a regular box spring is, let's say, nine inches. So the low, the low-profile box spring is about five inches, because... We tried it with the mattress and the 9-inch, and I felt like I was the princess in the pea. I was up way too high. I got vertigo laying flat because it was. I was just like, ah, too high in the air. But then you go with the low-rise You go with the low rise box spring, and it's perfect. You know, if your cats are going under the bed, first of all, you have cats. It's, you know. I will say my, um, we wanted more storage space in our one-bedroom apartment because yes. there's not that much room. So we thought, let's get a new... Um, a new frame that's higher off the ground. So we got one, I think it said something like 12 inches. Yeah. When we put that frame down and put the box springs and put the king-size mattress on it, it looked like a spaceship. Yeah, it was, that sounds like it's pretty high. It was. It's above my waist level, and I'm 6'4". <laughs> I'm 6'4". Do you it's, have one of those little step ladders to get up in your bed? No, the I mean, step stool? I, we, we're both, you know, spry. We can jump up in there, but it's For ludicrous. For right now. For right now, when you get to be, you know, my age, you're not you're not jumping into anything. There, <laughs> except uh, you know, some sort of scandal. Beware if you are thinking about getting a extra elevated 
mattress frame or do it and then combine it with the smaller box spring that would probably help i saw uh well we bought molly's bed you know it was just one of those foam mattresses so it doesn't have the box spring but you buy the 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 frame the support you know the platform for it to sit on well she same thing her room in new york is very small so we got the high one that you could slide those plastic trunks underneath it's pretty high up (laughs) it's like but you know she's got the storage Maybe you get one of those trundle beds with the bed that slides under your bed. Then you can pull it out, and then when you're too old to hop up into your giant bed, you can just lay on the trundle bed. You know, if that were less than, say, 40 years off, I'd consider it. I may wait, though. Somebody said I'm a big baby. I'm not a big baby. I'm a huge baby. So there you go. Boo-hoo. A lot of of questions about your used mattress, but uh, somebody said uh, they'd use the same thing with their, they tweeted to their insurance company when they denied a needed procedure, message within minutes, then a phone call, problem was resolved within days. I'm telling you, in this day and age, Twitter, as much as Twitter is a, a cesspool of hate, it is also the way to immediately get to a company because they all have departments that are monitoring their social media accounts. And if you are, you know, if you come at them, with a concern, respectfully, most of the time you will get some sort of response. I don't know if it'll always get resolved, but you'll get some kind of response. All right. It's a, do we have a break before news? We do. we got to do this. Then it's news time. 720 WGN. All right. It is time for a few, oh my goodness, Bowtie Theater Reviews. Because uh, it has been a busy couple weeks for us theater-wise, Cody. Broadway and Chicago bringing a lot of great shows to town. The first one, uh, you unfortunately were not uh, able to attend with me. I saw Les Mis, Les Miserables. If you are not familiar with Les Miserables, I don't know where you've been. Now, I I had never seen it. I knew the history behind Les Mis, as people call it. It was, a lot of people say it is their favorite musical, the best uh, musical score ever written. It is uh, it is a classic. It is uh, playing now at the Cadillac Palace Theater. It uh, It's set against the backdrop of 19th century France, Cody. As you can imagine, I was... I, here's the thing. When a show has this much history and this much buildup, I was afraid that when I went in, I would be like, oh, what's all the hype about? So I go in and I know it's about it's about 19th century France. It's about broken dreams, unrequited love, passion, sacrifice, redemption, all the things that make my life whole. So I thought, all right, well, listen, I, I'm definitely going to give it a chance. Again, one of the most celebrated musicals of all times. 120 million people have seen this show, according to uh, according to sources. It's the world's most popular musical. Been around. Uh, it opened. It opened in on Broadway originally in 1987. All right. So now we've got a new production coming out, and I was like, "Oh man, what what's going to happen?" I got to tell you, it exceeded all my expectations. It is. Uh, Every vocal performance, because I thought, well, you've got Nick Cartel, he plays Jean Valjean. Or do you say Jean Valjean? I say Jean Valjean because I'm I'm cultured that way. Um, So his vocal performances are great. It starts out, he's a criminal. He's uh, working on a a slave ship, a prison ship. And then he gets paroled. But because of the laws, everywhere he goes, people know he wears the mark of a criminal. And uh, you, you probably know the story. There was a movie, an Oscar, uh, was it Oscar winning? Yeah, an Oscar winning movie version of the play. So you've probably seen it. So you know the story of Jean Valjean. Well, his, his vocal performances were fantastic. And I thought, okay, well, he's going to carry the show. No, every time somebody opened their mouth to sing, the vocal performances were as strong. Across the board, it was vocally terrific. 
visually because the new staging of it is based on Victor Hugo paintings. So it's it's gorgeous. And there's one scene in particular near the end. I I knew what was going to happen in the scene based on uh, the play, but I wasn't sure how they were going to stage it. It was great. Uh, everything was wonderful. It seemed for for a novice who'd never seen Les Mis. Have you seen Les Mis before, Cody? Are you I've familiar? I've never seen it. Always wanted to. Well, it's you're in luck. It's now through uh, July 27th, so we have another week to get over to the Cadillac Palace Theater and see it. Uh, the people who had seen it before and loved it and loved all the songs from it and knew all the songs like Bring Him Home and One Day More and Do You Hear People Sing, they, they all seemed uh, very, very happy. No one seemed disappointed. Debbie was moved to tears during the song One Day More. Um, I I did not weep at this production, but it did affect me. It was visually stunning. Uh, as I said, the vocal performances were powerful and moving. So it is, it is definitely worth seeing. If you've seen Les Mis before and you want to see Les Mis again, go see the, uh, the new reboot at the... Uh, Cadillac Palace Theater. You can go to broadwayinchicago.com to get your tickets. It runs through July 27th, and it is uh, it is simply terrific. Out of four bow ties, Cody, I got to give it four. Wow, I got to give it four bow ties uh, because it was it lived up it lived up to and exceeded the hype. You know, was I singing all the songs the next day? No, but I rarely do that. Was I moved by the end of the performance? Yes. Was I surprised at how much I love the performance? Yes. That gives it the fourth bow tie. It raises it above. All right. So Les Mis uh, through July 27th at the Cadillac Palace Theater. Now, if you want to head a couple blocks east to the James Niederlander Theater, formerly the Oriental Theater, uh, you will see the musical version of what I can only imagine uh, is Cody's fever dream of a Broadway production. Cats is back. The classic musical Cats uh, is playing now through August 4th at the Nederlander Theater. Now, Cody and I knew we were both going to see this beforehand. To say I have never seen Cody more excited in the decade plus that we've been working together would be fairly accurate about this. You were, you were excited, and correct me if I'm wrong, you were excited not only to see Cats, but you were excited for me to see Cats because you knew I had never seen it. I was excited for you. I was excited for my wife and your wife. I was excited for everyone who has not had the experience of Cats in their life. What is your history with Cats? I, my parents brought me to see it. I must have been 10 or 11, probably out in, in Rosemont okay. back in the day. And then I saw it a couple years later in London. When I was on an international class oh. trip thing, so I actually saw it performed, yeah, with, and everyone had a British accent, and it kind of threw me off a little bit, because <laughs> I listened to the original Broadway cast recording, and sure. they, they don't sound particularly British in that uh, recording, but, no. you know, here we are. After I saw it the first time, I really liked the songs, so we got the audio cassette tape, which I listened to ad nauseum. Okay. And I have not listened to that soundtrack in... 20 odd years how much have you listened to it since wednesday oh wow at least at least twice a day really i and seeing the show i still knew the words to every single song except <laughs> except one there was one cat i like forgot existed oh really i don't even remember his name but some dumb fat cat other than him i knew wow every single song 
Uh, I was, it was one of the happiest moments I've had in, in the last year. Wow. It just, I was, it was everything I want. It was just, it just, the performances were incredible. The vocals were phenomenal. The staging was incredible. It was a wow, two Incredibles. It out was of three adjectives. So incredible! It was the, the production. I mean, you had huge, basically tap dance numbers. You yes. had every cat had their own solos. Uh, you know, they all had their spotlight moment. Whether it was the tap dancing, whether it was uh, Rum Tum Tuggers' oddly erotic uh, dancing. It was everybody was brought into brought into focus. Very erotic. Yes. So, um, if and, you're not if you didn't know this, and I did not, that uh, Cats is based on T. S. Eliot's uh, book of poetry, Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats. Uh, it this play, original Broadway production, opened in 1982 at the uh, Winter Garden Theater in New York. It had 7,485 performances. It lasted. It ran for 18 years. Then it came back again. Uh, to Broadway, it came back, I believe it was in, yes, it was in uh, 2016, and it ran uh, for another 593 performances. P- I don't know how I avoided seeing Cats Cats for this long. I mean, I knew of Cats. I knew the song Memory. Who didn't? Who doesn't know Memory? You know, take a look at the movie. Whatever. You know, it's, it's a classic award-winning song. Everybody knows that song. I know the history of Cats. So again, I was going into a production I had not seen, burdened by all of the all of the history that went along with it, and your incessant hyping of it for you know weeks. So let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we will continue to talk about Cats, uh, which is playing now through August fourth at the James Niederlander Theater. Uh, what did I think? We'll get. To, I think you know what Cody thought. We'll get to it. I have some questions about cats in general, and then thoughts on this production of cats in particular. All right? So being the resident cats expert, um, we'll go from there. Okay. All right? Let's do this first, and then we'll get to that. I have to be honest. It was not my cup of tea. <laughs> that being that being said, it wasn't a fault of the performers, because I thought the, the, the dancing, the vocals were spectacular. I thought the set was really cool. I liked how the cats moved around. It just is just not for me. I was confused at first too, uh, Cody, because it, it appeared to me that the the cats came from outer space. Is that that's not the case though, right? Not so These my... cats are not alien cats. They're jellico cats or something. Jelly filled cats. What are they? They're jellico cats. Jellico and, cats. All and right. I don't know what that means. I. Oh, one moment. Who is so calling? I you? have spaceships in here. There's a lot going on. You're a very busy producer. You are producing. So again, it is. Um, we all have we all have likes and dislikes. Now this is again not a reflection on anybody in the production because I thought they all did a fine job. Uh, it's very 80s. Would you agree? It it hasn't. The new staging is true to the original. This is how this is how the play was when it opened in 1982. How the show was. Yeah, and I remember it. So your question about the the alien thing is, I think, in part because of part of the staging kind of almost implies like a right? spaceship. Yes, right. The beginning. It opens and something comes <laughs> down and there's green lights and then all of a sudden eyes appear and you're like, wait a minute. I thought these were cats. Are they space cats? Are they thunder cats? 
I'm not sure what kind of cats they are. I, I could see that. Are they crazy cats? <laughs> well, there, there's many cats. Are they Top Cat and his pals? That's an old cartoon reference that I'm sure you don't get. But so I was, so I was conf- not confused. I was just like, oh, I wonder if they, and that was the first question I asked you at intermission when I saw you. Are these cats aliens? Because I wasn't quite sure. And if you don't know, the cats meet once a year, and they decide what cat will be reborn as a new cat. That's basically the plot of this. But there's no real, uh, like you asked me, when people listen to the bonus Bowtie Theater review, you asked me about a plot in a show that I'm reviewing that will drop at 10 o'clock tonight because of an embargo. Um, Because this is based on a book of poetry, every cat is its own chapter, so every cat comes out and does their thing. Or other cats sing about that cat. But there is the little thread of, at some point, old Deuteronomy is going uh, is gonna to get to grant a cat to be reborn, right? First of all, my question, and this, again, this doesn't go to this particular production. It goes to the show in general. Uh, why doesn't Deuteronomy just let himself be reborn? And does, does Deuteronomy then die? What's Deuteronomy's deal? Why do I keep saying Deuteronomy? But part of the wonder of this production is that it lends itself to your imagination. It, it's not a strong narrative plot. No one, Correct. no one goes to cats because they're dro- like, "Oh, so, this tells a really coherent story." You know me; I'm Captain Linear. I must have, <laughs> I must have linear thought. But you can fill in the blanks with your imagination, and like, I think that's what captured. That's why the show is so cool to me like growing yeah. up and i listened to the soundtrack over and over again and i started to to picture what these cats are like and the lyrics do such a good job of explaining the personality I, I mean i will say i agree with you you learn about what each cat is supposed to be based on their song um from what i could gather because I, sometimes it was difficult to hear from where i was you know the sound was a little muddied but um you know, again, and I know I'm going to be in the minority on this because people were going crazy. <laughs> they loved it, loved it, loved it. And while I didn't love it, I appreciate it for what it is. I appreciate that it's it's a classic piece of musical theater, and 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 it is beloved by people. Perhaps had it been called Dogs, I would have been a little more engaged. I don't know if that uh, you know I don't know if my uh, apathy toward cats in general clouded my judgment but again the performers all did a, a, a great job the they looked uh you know they looked like i remember when i saw pictures of the productions back in the day when it was first coming out they had that same look everything everything seemed genuine the staging was nice uh except for the fake uh, spaceship that confused me i thought i thought they the performers did a fantastic job is it a show that i would want to see again Probably not. But does that mean you shouldn't see it? No, that's up to you. If you like, I will say this, and Cody, you can probably back me up on this. If you liked Cats back in the day, you're going to really like this new production because it stays very similar to the original production. You're going to love it, but it, it's just the the quality and the skill, and because uh, it's got everything. It's got acrobatics. It's got oh, yeah. tap dancing. It's, I mean, there's, there's a duet, basically, with... Um, uh, with two cats, Mongo Jerry and Rumple Teaser, and one is literally singing the first and second verse while doing cartwheels. Yes, and you're like, okay. And then you know the the I first like Ginger Cat. Ginger Cat made me laugh. Ginger and how about Magical Mister Mistopheles? That's your that's your guy, Magical Mister Mistopheles. He was he, 
again, very talented, very acrobatic uh, actor who portrayed the magical Mr. Mess, Mess, uh, you know. I thought he'd be good, and it, it just blew my mind. You know, the you first... You liked him best because he had a jacket that had multicolored lights that ran all over. He was he... really like Chris Jericho. Yes, he looked, he looked fabulous. It, you know, the first act I thought was really, really good. And I was like, yeah, man, I wish the crowd was even louder, getting even more into it. The crowd I, was going crazy. I could have clapped the whole time. That second act, every single song escalated and escalated and escalated. By the time you hit Mr. Mistopheles, you're like, where can they go from here? And they keep going higher and higher. And then when, when they do memory, I mean, the that place. I, I get, listen, that, that was moving. And that I was waiting for her to do it, and then it came in the first act, and I was like, "Oh, it was kind. Of, it wasn't as big." But then it came up again in the second act, and I was like, "Oh, that's the showstopper memory." I mean, it was the 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 actress who who delivered that did a, a fantastic job. I think it's one of the the greatest single moments I I can remember seeing in any show in from Broadway in Chicago. Really, that song. I mean, when she really just start to belt it out like i had goosebumps talking about it yeah it did it moved me as well that that one number because that's that's the one if you don't know the show that's the one you're waiting for yeah. that's what i was waiting for and it delivered 100% so again my lukewarm feeling toward the show has nothing to do with the performances or the staging it's just the subject it wasn't for me and i had that same uh, there were other there've there been a few other shows that we've seen that it was just I know people like it, and I'm not saying you're wrong if you like it. I'm not saying you're wrong if you love it. I'm saying for me, not my cup of tea. So because of that, I can give it three bow ties. I will give it five bow ties. You can out. only give it four. I'm still going to give it. And I, I, you can you give said, it four bow ties and some catnip. I will give it so much catnip. You said right. you wouldn't see it again. I am literally considering seeing it again. Really? During well, this run. It, it moved me. And if you were listening to this and you were a parent and you have the means to see this show and bring them in the next few weeks and you don't, then you're a bad parent. Wow. I, I mean, really. <laughs> Cats playing now through August 4th at the James <laughs> Niederlander Theater. Uh, if you want to be a good parent, go to broadwayinchicago.com and get your tickets. Uh, if you want to be a bad parent or just a parent who, uh, you know, like me, uh, not good or bad. Then, then don't. But go if you. And again, I don't think I, I don't think three bow ties is a bad review mm. because the the everything everything on stage was as it should be. It was top notch. It wasn't for me. And the songs are catchy too, right? Right. It wasn't. It just wasn't for me. But I will say, my wife after said, "You see those kids over there?" And she pointed at all oh, these. The kids, kids were going crazy. The kids were so into it. And because cats run up and down the aisle. Uh, you know, they, they add these actors and actresses are acting like cats. It's the whole, it's a whole thing. Yeah. And it's, uh, so yeah, it, you see them up close and the makeup is amazing. Yeah. So I can, I know why people love it. I don't know why I just like, okay, it was, it was good, but it wasn't, it didn't change my world. Like I know it did yours. Maybe had I seen it as a child, but I obviously had bad parents. So that's, I'm just going to blame my mom and dad for that, like I do for everything else, and say, yeah, see, the reason I uh, only kind of liked cats was because you were bad parents. Um, from the 6 year I thought I would love the show. Saw it years ago. I hated it. I don't care to see it again, and I love real cats. Um, 
Brian, I don't like cats in general, but I really love the play cats, and the music was fabulous. I love everything about it. So see, that's why there's all these great shows from Broadway in Chicago, because you might love one, and I'm just like, eh. And I might think one is the best thing that's ever been put on stage, and you're like, did we see the same production? Because I'm, I'm not getting it. All right, uh, did you see the trailer? So there, there you go. Three bow ties from me for cats, four bow ties, and a huge box of catnip from Cody for cats. And a threat and chastisement for right. parents. And, a, and an indictment of your parenting <laughs> method. All right, so let's do it. Roger has come into the studio. Roger, you ever seen cats? Uh, not the whole thing, but... Uh... <laughs> what, did you just peek in from well, the, from the, the little, lobby? I've seen little bits online of the different productions around the world, especially on Broadway. But now, oh, well, the movie count. Cats yeah, that's what I was gonna is ask. getting ready to come out. Cody, did you see that trailer? Did you see the trailer, Roger? Yeah, that's I saw of... the trailer. Yeah. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a hard pass uh, yeah, I'm on not, the movie Cats. I'm not optimistic it's been about getting it. a lot of not-so-great reviews from the trailer. Because it, it looks ridiculous. <laughs> I well, mean, you know, Jennifer they... Hudson singing Memories, that's going to be good, because Jennifer Hudson can sing anything and right, sound good. Right. But I don't need to see Taylor Swift as, uh, I don't know who which one she is, but and digital hair and all that. Forget it. Pass. All right. Uh, let's do this. <laughs> and then, uh, then it's going to be news time. All right. WGN. Today, Major League Baseball enshrined a new class into the Hall of Fame. The All-Star break was last week. Uh, baseball season in full swing. People already getting all jacked up for football season looking ahead. Perhaps you are pulling out all your sports memorabilia, dusting it off and looking at it going, you know what, I'd like to keep this, but if it's really worth something, maybe I will sell it. I, I wish... I knew somebody who could help me figure this out. Well, you've come to the right place because our good friend Michael Osaki from BaseballInTheAttic.com is in the studio. And if you have any sort of baseball memorabilia and you want to give Michael a call, you can describe it to him and we will. Uh, he'll tell you, hey, uh, yeah, you might have a retirement fund there. Or, oh, you know, that, that's kind of cool. Just uh, hang on to it. It's not really not really worth much on the open market. Good to see you again, Michael. Good, uh, good day to have you in with Harold Baines getting enshrined today. Very exciting. It's great to be back, and I promise uh, not to break anything. I have the habit of breaking microphones here. Yes. Well, that's why we didn't have you in the other studio, because the first oh. time you sat in there, you broke something. Uh, so now we Cody brings you in, and you sit in a little hermetically sealed bubble. We don't even <laughs> let you. You're actually talking talking through a hole toward the microphone, so you can't get too close to anything. Exactly. So you've been traveling all around uh, appraising things. What's, uh, is, this a, is this a busy season because it's summer and there's conventions and stuff? Absolutely. So my busy season is usually uh, March 1st to uh, about Thanksgiving, a little bit later, December 1st. I've been to Florida the last couple of weeks, North Carolina, Massachusetts, Jeez. Connecticut, Rhode Island, Maine. So I've kind of, yes, been everywhere. Are you finding, when you go to these different cities, is it regional, what people have? Like if you go, oh, we go, every time I go to the Northeast, it's a lot of baseball. And then I go somewhere else and it's a lot of football stuff. Usually, yes. So, obviously, in Boston, you see a lot of Red Sox items, but I did see some Babe Ruth signed baseballs in Boston as well. Nice. Um, the answer is... It's some... amazing that there's there's still so many Babe Ruth baseballs, aren't there? He's Absol been dead for how long? <laughs> well, well, yeah, he died August 16th, 1948, um, but Babe Ruth was a gracious signer. He signed oh, okay. for everybody, grew up in an orphanage, yep. and anytime anybody would ask him for an autograph, he obliged. Very nice. So there, so there are, in reality, there probably are a, re, a whole lot of Babe Ruth baseballs out there. Absolutely. But today, the demand far outpaces the supply, and so right. it's, it's, it's very valuable. 
Now, your specialty, for those of who are just hearing you for the first time, you specialize in, in baseball kind of stuff, right? Well, it's You all, do every, you appraise yes. everything. But. So it's all sports, but the majority of what I see just happens to be baseball-related. Okay. Is that why, – why do you think baseball uh, inspires people to collect more than other sports? Because every sport makes cards. I remember as a kid having football cards and basketball cards, but – Baseball, there's something about the tradition of baseball that people want to hang on to scorecards and, and balls and, and all all these things. Whereas other sports, yeah, there's there's some stuff, but just not as much. Well, baseball, at least in this country, uh, has been around the longest as, as, as compared to basketball or football or, or hockey. Um, additionally, yes, you're right about there's football cards and basketball cards and hockey cards. But really, baseball cards have been around for the longest. They were okay. manufactured over 100 years ago. Um, and it just really, again, it just happens to be the majority of what I see. And so now on your on your latest travels, what was the most unusual thing that somebody brought in to have appraised? Um, I saw a pretty interesting signed Marilyn Monroe signed photograph. Really? Um, which I, I'm a sports guy, and obviously she's entertainment, um, but... When I asked the family how they have a in, uh, in this huge sports collection, <laughs> how they have a Marilyn Monroe signed photo. Are they related to Joe DiMaggio? Well, someone in the family knew Joe DiMaggio back in the 50s. And obviously he was married to Marilyn sure. Monroe. And they got it obtained in person and it was inscribed to this uh, gentleman in the family. Okay. And as we've talked about before... That's valuable to the family, but once it's inscribed, it, the value goes down, right? Generally speaking, yes. However, uh, when you're talking about Marilyn Monroe, you know, such a celebrity, yeah. um, that even if it says to Brian or to Dick from Marilyn Monroe, it still is very valuable. Okay. Very nice. Uh, we'll get things started. 312-981-7200. You can call. You can text. Whatever. But let's let's prime the pump with this first text that came in, Michael. Okay. Uh, somebody's got a baseball with Jack Brickhouse and Harry Carey's signature on them. That's great. Both of them individually are nice uh, signatures and valuable. They have them both of those legendary broadcasters on one baseball. Could be two hundred or two hundred fifty bucks. Really? Absolutely. All right. So now people hear that and they go, "Wow." 250 bucks, 200 bucks. That that's a nice chunk of change. Between you saying it and me actually getting $200 in my pocket, where do I where do I have to go? Who do I have to go to see? Do I go to a third party? How do I sell this? How do I make my $200? Something like that would be a great eBay piece. Um, okay. Put that up on eBay. There would be a lot of people that would be interested in that. Okay, is that is that uh, the best way for people to try to sell stuff once they have it appraised and you know they talk to you at Baseball in the Attic? They can email you and send you pictures and all that, and you say to them, "All right, uh, Bob, this baseball that you uh, you told me about worth two hundred two hundred fifty bucks, in my opinion. It, it, that's what it's estimated at being worth." Yes. So something like that that's two hundred two hundred fifty bucks is great for eBay, but there, someone could have an item at home right now wondering it might be a $50,000 item. In that case, I probably would not recommend eBay. Yeah, right. And so it really depends on the value of the item okay. and how liquid I think that item is and how lucrative um, bidders might be interested in, in the item. And these are people that you, you have experience with through the conventions and through the appraisal shows and things where you go. So you know, you kind of know if... If I were to come to you and I, and I showed you something and you said, listen, that is worth, let's say, $10,000. I, I think there's people who would pay $10,000. That's because you know there's people out there that are, that are 
seriously looking with that kind of money and are willing to pay that, right? Yes, but most importantly, I also know the value of the item itself. Right. And so I know it's $10,000, and then if that person does want to sell it, I can tell them, okay, these are the avenues, and these people are reputable, and all that good stuff. Very nice. Uh, Baseballintheattic.com is Michael's website. People can get a hold of you uh, through the website, correct? Baseball, yes, Always. exactly. Or they can email me, michael at baseballintheattic.com. Or after the show today, I'll be around 312-379-9090. All right, let's take a quick break. The calls are coming in, 312-981-7200. Michael Osaki is here, baseballintheattic.com. If you have some sports memorabilia around, I always love getting the calls because people – uh, people have called in with the m- most unusual items, and you're like, where did you get that? So sometimes the story is worth more than the item itself. Yeah, I think uh, about a year or two ago when I was on the show with you, someone called. They had a blow-up doll of Dick Butkus. Um, <laughs> yes. So you just never know what's never out know. there. So uh, give us a call. We will find out what is out there and what it might be worth. That's happening here at WGN. It is always some sports season. You have been collecting things since you were a kid. You were going through your uh, your dad's closet and you found some sort of baseball memorabilia. Something was signed and you're like, oh my goodness, this is it. The kids are going to college. Well, they're going to college, but probably not on the money you found. But... Who knows? Michael Osaki is here. Baseballintheattic.com is Michael's website. He is a certified appraiser of all sports memorabilia and many other things. And uh, it's always uh, nice when Michael comes in because the stories that come out from people are amazing. 312-981-7200. If you have uh, an item that you would like Michael to give you his opinion on, uh, a couple texts and then we'll get to the calls. I am storing boxes of baseball card that my sons collected during the 80s and 90s. Is there anything special we should look for in there or uh, <laughs> can I toss them? Okay. The 80s and 90s are what we call junk wax. Basically, Ooh. the stuff was mass produced from the 80s and 90s, billions and billions of cards. And so today, there is just a ton of supply in the market and there isn't a lot of demand. And so unfortunately, there isn't a ton of value there. However, to answer your caller's or texter's question, uh, you need to look for some of the key rookie cards. So a 1989 upper deck, Ken Griffey Jr., 85 tops, Roger Clemens. Um, so you got to find the superstars and then look for those rookie cards because those are going to have some value. Is one company more valuable than another? It varies year by year. Okay. And, and in the 80s and 90s, there was you know, a dozen card manufacturers, yeah. Tops and Score and Fleer and Donruss and Upper Deck and Prism. And, you know. Oh, jeez. See, I would have never. I know Top and Upper Deck. That's pretty much, those are the, the yeah. big names I know. 312-981-7200. Wayne has been hanging on. Hi, Wayne. How you doing? Good. What do you got? I have a 1959 uh, championship picture pennant it's not in great condition but it's uh you know i just wondered what if it's worth anything from it's the white like sox a claw, a, yeah it's the white sox it's a cloth pennant and it has the picture of the team on it what color is it wayne it's white okay it's uh white and black lettering that retails for around 75 bucks okay that's not bad not even enough. in poor condition <laughs> oh wow! How poor, how poor, Frick! <laughs> yeah. It just says white, and then there's an X. <laughs> the S of the or missing. Well, no, the you know the tip of the pennant's kind of frayed, and it's kind of you know yeah. bent up. It's, it's it's still there, you know. Right. You could see the picture and the 
the back of it still has all the names of the players on it. So you're looking at about maybe about half of that, forty bucks, because yeah. of the condition. I guess I'll just have it framed and keep it then. There you go. See, sometimes sometimes that's the way to go. Wayne, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Yeah, sometimes things, you know, because a lot of us when we started, we we didn't collect it thinking of things as we started as kids and. Kids just want to collect it. They're not thinking of it as investments, you know. So it's got to be hard to find things that are in mint condition, because unless it's somebody who, you know, their parents started them, and it was like this is going to be your future, and they, you know, you're exactly right. Yeah, I mean, nobody when they were collecting in the fifties and sixties yeah. and seventies was saying, "Oh my God, this is my retirement." Right. No, people <laughs> no. people would throw the baseball cards against the wall, put them in their bicycle spokes, exactly. So today, you're right. I mean, I have seen mint condition cards from 80 years ago, 100 years ago, but it's very rare. Yeah. And in fact, a lot of times when I see a card that's super old and it looks super mint, I'm like, wait a second. Maybe this is a reprint or a fake. I have to look closer because, okay. you know, that's not the norm. Yeah. How many of how many of those mint condition cards can really be out there? You know, uh, another text. Pardon me. <clears throat> Do newspaper covers of teams winning? Uh Oh, hold on. Do newspaper covers of teams winning? Uh, all right, so like when the Cubs won, when the Cubs won the uh, the World Series, the front page of the Tribune is that going to be worth something someday? Because people, I know, I still have, I still have newspapers. Oh, that's jam. What happened there? Might have been me. I don't know. Cody looks very surprised. <laughs> I know. I know you didn't relax. Do newspaper covers of teams winning championships, such as the trip okay. front page of the Cubs. Oh, so I was right. That was what it is. Okay. We so the right when the Cubs won the World Series in 2016, they had the Tribune had multiple printings. Right. Now, today, if you have one of those and you were to sell it, you could probably get 10 to 12 bucks, maybe 15 bucks on a good day. Okay. So that's not... Uh, not too bad. But you pay only you know three bucks for it, and now it's worth ten to twelve. So maybe it's good. Somebody sent a picture of a matted and framed newspaper lineup from nineteen thirty eight World Series. There's a picture of it right over here. I don't know if you want to. Maybe during the break, we'll take you can yeah. take a look at that. So we'll take yeah. a look at that while we're doing that. Let's go to uh, Oak Forest where Joe has been hanging on patiently. Hello, Joe. Hi. How you doing? What do you got, Joe? I got a game now. A brand new Patrick Kane. Hockey stick that I won, never, never used. Okay, so this is a non-game used Patrick Kane hockey stick. Is it signed? Yes, it is. And oh. I cover, I taped up the blade. Turn your radio down for us, Joe. Okay, okay hold on. Okay. Can you turn it down? Non-game used, signed Patrick Kane hockey stick, about 150 bucks. Okay, go ahead. So about 150 bucks, he said. Oh, okay. That sounds good. There you go. Thanks okay, thank, you, thank you very much. Take care. All right, let's take a quick break. Then it'll be news time. If you have something for Michael that you want to know, hey, is this worth a lot? Is this better just a memory? 312-981-7200. So Murray, we'll get to you on the other side of the news. We'll get to our texters. 312-981-7200. Michael Osaki, baseballintheattic.com is the website. And uh, Michael will be at what show is next week in Rosemont? Next week is the National Sports Collectors Show Ooh. at Rosemont at the Donald E. Stevenson Convention Center, July 31st to August 4th. It's five days. All right, and you will be there? I will be Appraising. there. I'll, I'll be there out of a booth, booth number 582. Please stop by. I'm also giving away a $500 card. Wow, very nice. All right, we'll do this, then we'll be news, then more with Michael. It's WGN. 
Brian Nooner, 720 WGN. We're talking about sports memorabilia with Michael Osaki from BaseballInTheAttic.com. Michael will be in Rosemont this week at the, uh, what is the National... National Sports Collectors Convention. It's actually next week. It's July 31st oh, next to, week. Okay. to August 4th. Wednesday to Sunday. Very nice. Oh, yeah, that's next one, next week. So a week yeah. from Wednesday yes. uh, through a week from Sunday. Very good. And uh, you will be there. You will be appraising things. There will be a lot of – is it is – it, uh, are people st- probably selling and appraising? There's probably a ton of dealers there and a it, lot yep, of different it, vendors and things. Correct. It's all that. And there's also, over the course of five days, over 100 signers. Really? Um, Joe Montana will be there. And ninety nine other, you know. Okay. And so, do you pay to get? To, do you pay to get into the event? And then, obviously, you're paying for the signatures. Both, yeah. And I, I don't know what the cost is okay. to get into the event. But you can, uh, I'm sure, if you Google it, you will find it. All right, we've got a lot of questions. But before we went to the news, someone had had texted in a picture. Somebody from the six three zero. Uh, they had a matted and framed newspaper lineup from the 1938 World Series, Cubs versus the Yankees. Uh, and Michael took a look at the picture. What did you What did you think when you first saw it? It's nice. It looks like uh, it was framed quite some time ago, several decades ago. The value is only about a hundred bucks because the way that people find their stats today is they just go online and Google it. Okay. Um, but 30 years ago, before the internet, you'd have to, you know, all these newspapers were an important part of people's repertoire when they wanted to see, okay, what happened in 38 World Series? Mm-hmm. Uh, how many home runs did XYZ person hit? So about 100 bucks. Really? Because, you know, I'm looking at it, I go, well, it's a newspaper from back then. It's the, 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 the pictures there. There can't be that many of them around still. But sure. even even with that, it's, it's, it's more of a, a cool memory than a, you know. Something to uh, something to sell to make a lot of dough. All right, let's go to the phones. Murray has been hanging on, and he is in Chicago. Hi, Murray. Thanks for waiting. What do you got? I got a question of uh, signs from Soldier's Field. Before they rehab in 2002, I snuck in, and uh, I took all the signs. I was on crutches for knee surgery, and I, I had to pull them down. But I got four of the big signs, section 116, 118, 120. And four of the small metal signs that were in these stone walls as you walk in. <laughs> so, Murray, you're trying to sell stolen goods on my radio show. Is that what I'm? Is that what I'm being led to believe? Stolen goods. They're they're being torn down to okay. save <laughs> All right, reclaimed goods. We'll put reclaimed. Reclaimed. Right, like a sheep. <laughs> what do you think, Michael? Do we know if George McCaskey is listening? I don't What's know. that? He might be. McCaskey may be listening, but um, but if he were not, uh, what would you say? T- McCaskey knows me very well. My my father was George Harris's uh, junior psychiatrist and very very <laughs> wow, uh, very impressive the Staley family. I like the story better than the <laughs> yeah. better than the item. But Michael, what do you think of these? Uh, what do you think of these signs from the old Soldier Field? So the way that I'll answer is yes, there is some value, but I never opine on the value of things that I think were, I shouldn't say stolen, but you know maybe are a little. Shifty, shifty. But yeah. Now, if if Murray were to go to the to the show, somebody could somebody would see those and go, yeah, they're worth some money. Yeah. So they, you probably got something, Murray, but we don't know. We don't know for sure on that one. Okay. I mean, they're they're, they're the only ones that are still existing. So they probably they probably worth something, but oh, Michael yeah. Michael's not sure. I appreciate the call, Murray. Thanks a lot. Let's uh, say hi to Barbara in Joliet. Hi, Barbara. Hi. What do you got? Um, I have a Gale Sayers jersey that was signed in 1977. 
Ooh, oh, interesting. Vintage Gale Sayers. I like it. Um, unfortunately, Gale Sayers is not doing well as far as health-wise. Right. Um, but the signed jersey is still between 150 and 200 bucks. All right. There Thank you. There you go. You. You're, welcome, You're welcome, Barbara. Thanks for calling. Um, there were a couple uh, couple other uh, – somebody said, somebody texted in, we were talking about rookie baseball cards. You said to the person who had their kids' 80s and 90s cards, you said, look for rookie cards. Somebody texted in, they've got an upper deck Ryan Sandberg rookie card. Is that, a, is that good? So that's impossible because <laughs> – the, ah, Wow. So it's impossible because I, I'm, starting, I'm, I'm thinking of via – a My Cousin Vinny episode now. Yeah. But anyways, so Upper Deck started in 1989. That was their inaugural year, 89. Okay. That big card in that year was Ken Griffey Jr. Ryan Sandberg's rookie year was many, many, many years earlier in the early 80s. And his rookie card is a Fleer card. So Upper Deck oh. never made cards during his rookie season. All right. So there you go. So see, that's why you have an appraiser come in. Because somebody goes, look at this card. It's his rookie card. Really, that company didn't even exist when he played. Uh, what about farm team rookie cards, like minor leaguers? Uh, yes, uh, if it's like a superstar, like Mike Trout. Yeah, that'd be awesome. You know, uh, uh, Anth- uh, Judge Aaron Judge. Okay, but for the most part, there's nothing there unless they're again superstars that are currently playing or have played in in the majors and or in the Hall of Fame. Somebody, the the person who texted in that picture of the lineup said, uh, thank you for looking at it, said it was the only thing they they knew that had both DiMaggio and Gehrig in the Yankees lineup. So that was why they were, you know, they thought, ooh, that was uh, that was the deal. Uh, a baseball signed by the entire 1953 White Sox team in pristine condition. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a team signed baseball should have at least 18 to 20 signatures on it, right? Because it's the team and then there's... Managers, coaches. Uh, so when you say team, you want all those guys on. Yeah. You want so, everybody. Yeah, exactly. Too often people will say, I have a team signed item, and there's 10 or 12 signatures on there. Well, that's not really considered a team signed item. It's okay. Yeah, it's a, it's an item, but it's not team signed. It's got a lot of people on there, but not everybody. So, so first off, it should have 18 to 20 signatures, at least. Could be more. 53 White Sox. Um, hopefully it's got some of the key signatures on there. Nelson Fox, Nellie Fox. Mm-hmm. By the way, hopefully he signed it Nelson Fox and not Nellie Sock. Nellie Fox. If he signed it Nellie, it's probably a forgery, not authentic. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, but um, w- without seeing it, and if there's 18 to 20 signatures and Nellie Fox is on there, uh, a couple hundred bucks, 200 or 225 bucks. All right. Very good. Not too shabby. Eric is in Oak Lawn. Hi, Eric. What do you got? Yeah, I've got about 112 Gaudi cards, and the, my, three of them are Babe Ruth. One is Lou Gehrig. I have had them graded. They're all like three and fours. My question: It seems the value of these cards is less now than it was 10, 15 years ago. Is that, does this all fluctuate by economy, or? Yeah, how does how does the market set its price? Well, first, you made your your eyes kind of lit up when. Uh, when Eric was t- mentioned the kind of cards he has, so one that no, sounds... these are good cards. I yeah, mean, it's, I mean it's exponential. You know, you get a grade eight or nine, that thing's worth you know six figures. I figure these are in the range of four or five grand, but it just seems they were that they're they were more value ten fifteen years ago than they are now. Okay, so, so that was re- my question: the yeah. fluctuation. Uh, yeah, the how, do, how do the prices fluctuate? So, so the prices have actually gone up a lot. So maybe. 
uh, for some reason, the caller thought that maybe, you know, someone may have told him 10 years ago that they were worth a lot more than they actually currently were. Okay. Um, But the 1933 Gaudi set, which is what the gentleman has, uh, is a great set. It's littered with Hall of Famers. There are four Babe Ruth cards in the set, two Lou Gehrig's, two Jimmy Fox's, 240 cards in that set, and very very colorful. And so um, those traditionally over time have been really good investment um, cards. So um, they have gone up, um, but of course they're not eights or nines, like you said. And So what more. sets, is it just demand that sets the price? I think that's what uh, Eric is looking for. What, yeah, that was why why the, is it... Is it is it an arbitrary thing? Does it uh, year to year? Because these, if the cards are rare and valuable, what changes from you know two years ago to this year? You know, if I were if I were to come out to see somebody next week at the uh, the show, would my price be the same as it was a year ago, or will it be more in a year? What 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 are the kind of things that cause that fluctuation? Well, let me kind of answer the question with this particular set because the 1933 Gaudi set of all the sets in the universe all the baseball card sets this set is a top three meaning over the past 50 years you have this set the 1952 top set and the T206 tobacco card set those are really these are the sets the three sets that collectors most gravitate to okay. and enjoy and collect and purchase and accumulate um, but things happen uh, um you know, 12 years ago when the whole economy collapsed, sort of this market. But you also have a changing interest in collectors. So there could be collectors that five years ago that collected 1933 Gaudis. Maybe they sold all those, and maybe now they're, um, maybe they have different interests. Maybe so no- their, their taste might have changed. Absolutely. That happens a lot with collectors. Some of them are very fickle. Okay. And, and they get bored, or they want to sell something and buy something new. So it's kind of, would the advice be then to collectors, if you're looking to sell, if you get a price you think is the good price, sell it because tomorrow that price could be vastly different? Things go up and things go down. It's kind of like the stock market. You just never know. Well, good luck with it, Eric. I appreciate your feedback. No problem. Thanks for the call. Uh, All right. This is, I know you deal, maybe, do you deal with golf a lot? Do you get golf? All right. So. Uh, Texter has a set of Wilson hammer-forged golf clubs. They don't have the numbers on them. They say, like, niblick instead of a five-iron. Uh, they think they're from the 40s or the 50s. Okay. The best thing to do is email me uh, pictures of some of the yeah. golf clubs. and this way one I, picture here, but yeah. Uh, yeah, and this way I can better, uh, better understand kind of what's there. So, unfortunately, uh, I won't be able to answer the question on the air right now, but if you send me pictures, I'll be able, happy to help you. What's that email address? It's michael at baseballintheattic.com. All right, baseballintheattic.com. Send Michael those pictures, and he will uh, he will let you know. Uh, Spike is in Edgewater. Hi, Spike. What do you got? Hey, I got a uh, Michael Jordan upper deck poster, 11 by 16 indie baseball card kind of sleeve, you know, thick, thick plastic sleeve. Oh, you texted us a picture of it too, didn't you? Yes, I did. All right, hang on. We're going to take a quick break. I'll let Michael look at that picture while we're while we're on the break, and then when we come back, he you will tell it. you what he thinks. All right, Spike? You got it. All right, hang on. All right, let's do this. If uh, We've got a few minutes left with Michael. Baseballintheattic.com is his website, 312-981-7200. I'll let Michael take a look at this poster, then we'll tell Spike if he's got a treasure or just a really cool Upper Deck uh, poster of Michael Jordan, all that and more. 
after this, WGN. All right, Michael Osaki's here. Baseballintheattic.com is the website. The big uh, sporting goods. So tell us again about the uh, the sporting goods show where you will be, Michael, in Rosemont. Up, oh, hold on. Now, t- now tell us about the big sporting goods show. <laughs> July thirty first to August fourth. It's a Wednesday through Sunday. There's, I'll be there. I'll have a booth, booth number five sixty two. And if you're interested in having anything appraised. All sports, come by, stop by, say hi, shake my hand, say you say you heard me on the Brian Noonan Show. Exactly. It's the uh, National Sports Collectors Convention. It is in Rosemont at the uh, Donald E. Stevens Convention Center, as Michael said. So uh, you can go check it out. See, Michael, if you have some stuff, bring it along. Uh, all right, we told, Mur- we told Spike to hang on. So Spike has been hanging on. All right, Spike, Michael has looked at the pictures of your poster. Uh, Michael, your judgment. So my question for you, Spike, is it doesn't look like it's signed, right? It's just an unsigned upper it, deck poster. It, it is not signed. Okay, so the value would be about fifteen to twenty bucks. Really? Yeah. There you oh, go. Good, good. And I'll come and see you at the uh, uh, Rosemont uh, with a box of other things. I'll be there. <laughs> I'll be there for five days on my feet. Come very, say hi. Very you got cool. it, sir. Well, go see him, Spike. Thank Thanks you for the thank call. WGN. My pleasure. Uh, what do thirty-five? What to do with thirty-five years plus of White Sox season ticket holder stuff, bobbleheads, etc.? Uh, the guy says, "I'm thinking it's not worth much." I mean, it's too much to answer. I guess the first question was, I would need to know what year it started, right? Thirty-five yeah. years—is is it from nineteen sixty to nineteen ninety-five? Is it from you know nineteen eighty to you know, two thousand fifteen? So yeah. that would help, and also. Stubs, bobbleheads, like there's certain items during that, those decades that are like great items that have value, and there's a lot that are worthless. So, it's piece by piece, probably. Yeah. Okay. If you could send me an email with an inventory list or some photos, that would help. All right. Uh, that baseball we were talking about with the '53 uh, White Sox, uh, it is. Uh, they signed it. Uh, Arrestes Minoso, so didn't sign it many, and Nelson Fox, plus at least thirty other names. Well, that's great. So if there's 30 other names, I mean, that's literally every single person. There's probably the um, doctor's name on there, bench coach, maybe even VP. Um, So it could be worth more. It could be worth closer to 300 bucks if if over 30 signatures are on there. So so if you see Minnie or Nellie, you're pretty sure that's a a fraud. Uh, Nellie, for sure. Minnie, not always the case, but yes, it's... People obviously his nickname is many, but he would sign it. Arrestes. All right, before we uh, before we get to another call, let's talk about if somebody has something signed. All right, and I and I'll use myself as an example. So I brought in I had a couple baseballs um, that were signed when I was doing sports night. We did these Cubs Corners convention, and the players would come in and they would sign. And and the only one I was really uh, crazed about we had Ernie Banks, Fergie Jenkins, and Billy Williams on one of the panels, and they were nice enough to each sign a ball for me, which I took home and I went to Michael's craft and I bought the little baseball box. So I have these, these three balls. Um, now you said the Ernie Banks one I need, I should probably get a certificate of authenticity. So if somebody has something with a signature and they know, like I know I watched Ernie Banks sign this, but that, who's going to believe me? I'm just some schmo with an Ernie Banks ball. What, what should people do? How do they go about getting a certificate to, so if they do want to sell something, Somebody goes, oh, yeah, okay, this is, a, this is a legit deal. 
Okay, so the reason why I recommended third-party authentication for you is because you indicated that you wanted to sell them. Mm -hmm. If you said to me, Michael, I don't really care to sell, I'm gonna hold on to them, then there's really no need to incur the added expense of third-party authentication, right? right? However, I always look at authentication from an ROI standpoint, return on investment. So if you have an item that's worth 20 bucks, it probably does not make sense to spend 10 or 15 bucks to have a third party look at it, right? And is that is that the, the ballpark price, no pun intended, for getting an authentication on a, a signed item? It varies. Like, okay. for example, a Babe Ruth signature is about 300 bucks to have it authenticated. Oh, really? But Ernie Banks could be 20 bucks. Okay. Uh, Fergie Jenkins could be 10 to 15 bucks. Okay. So, and people would go, how do they go about it? I mean, could they contact you? You could do that. You can authenticate something, correct? So I am a certified appraiser. I am not an authenticator. However, because I do this every single day, I can tell if something looks good or not. Right. Except I'm not the person that prints out the COAs and mails them to people and says, yes, this is good or this is not good. Can you refer people to? Yes. So, so if people get a hold of you at michael at baseballintheattic.com, you can refer them to someone. Yes, absolutely. Or they can come see you next weekend at the convention and you can refer them. Yes. Hey, go down to booth number whatever, and there's a guy down there or a woman down there, and they'll... They'll hook you up. Yes, absolutely. And also, sometimes people will email me something, um, and I'll tell them on the spot, this is no good. Right. A, a guy last week said a, a Babe Ruth ball was passed down through his family. <laughs> he, he remembers playing with his grandfather, told him this great story. He picked it up from the backstop and then got it signed. Uh, I, I said, sir, I don't, I don't know who signed this, but it was not Babe Ruth. And he was like literally in tears. Like, yes, he you was, crushed his entire family's dreams. Yeah. So he, Wow. Um, I hope you're happy with yourself, for, for I like, hope you're happy. I'm very happy because I was honest <laughs> with him, and for 30 or 40 years, he thought this was a legit signed Babe Ruth ball. Right. And so he could have gone to his grave thinking he had a Babe Ruth ball, <laughs> I know. and you shattered his dreams. That's, yeah, I know. Horrible. Horrible. Uh, let's see if you'll shatter Tony's dreams. He's in River North. Hi, Tony. What do you got? Hey, guys. Uh, in 1983, the White Sox hosted the uh, 50th anniversary All-Star game. There was no home run derby the day before, so what they did, though, was they brought back All-Stars going back to the 30s, and they had an old-timers All-Star game. They gave out a special handout program for it with pictures inside. Two, three pages is all. But I have it in mint condition, autographed by Joe DiMaggio and his brother Dom DiMaggio. I haven't authenticated it, but assuming I could get that authenticated, uh, what does Michael think it's worth? What do you think, Michael? So that um, so obviously 1983. He said 50 years. Uh, it was 1933 was Comiskey Park right. for, first All Star game. Uh, it's going to be worth a couple hundred bucks. Wow! And, and to so be honest, now does the Dom DiMaggio signature boost that value? No, it de- <laughs> unfortunately it decreases the value. Oh really? If it was just Joe, would it have been? Yeah. Yeah. Better if it's just Joe. Well, listen, Dom was hanging around that day. Well, it's still a few hundred Thanks, bucks, Tom. though, Tony. You might. Uh, Thanks, guys. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. So, not too bad. It is always a pleasure to see you, Michael. It's always fascinating. We will uh, talk again. Uh, baseballintheattic.com is Michael's website. You can email him, Michael at baseballintheattic.com. If uh, the person with the golf clubs, don't forget, send Michael the pictures. He'll take a look at it. And Michael will be at the National Sports Collectors Convention in Rosemont next weekend, Wednesday through Sunday. Uh, what, what booth again? Booth 582. Booth 582. Stop by, see Michael, bring your stuff, tell him uh, you heard him here on the show, and uh, say hi and see what's going on at the convention. Always fun. We will talk to you again very soon.
Thank you. You are welcome. All right, let's do this. Then it's news time. And then do we have a, we have a break, right, Cody? Yeah, we have a break. Then it's at the breweries after the news. Oh, my. So much fun on WGN. Here's at the breweries with Brian Noonan. Yes, Brian Noonan, John Carruthers, Jesse Valenciana, Goose Island, Revolution, all representing. Today, I am uh, one. Good to see you guys. Hey, see you too. And Jesse's on time this morning. What, 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 what? <laughs> I was early. You were early. I know. We didn't have to. Usually, it's about 6 o'clock. We're like, where's Jesse? Where's Jesse? Where's Jesse? <laughs> and, and you always magically appear. Like, you know, it's like, oh, you have to make an entrance. I told this him Sam wasn't early. coming, so he knew he had to be on time. <laughs> oh, that's true. I saw you know, Sam actually, my motorcycle wouldn't start, and I had panic because I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> But it, it all worked out. <laughs> Are you just trying to sound cool? Like, my, what's more, the coolest reason I could be late? My motorcycle wouldn't start, baby. I was going to do a wheelie all the way over here. But anyway, wow. what were we talking about? Evil Knievel. <laughs> yeah, I had to jump over the bridge. It was open for a couple sailboats. But that's all right. I made it. I was laying on the couch landing. thinking about my motorcycle. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> Wow, you are, you are truly cool a bad, bad man. <laughs> and I mean that in the best possible way. A good so, bad man. So Jesse is here, uh, Jesse Manbecue on Twitter. John Carruthers is here, uh, UT Chicago. Uh, again, that uh, seems cumbersome because it's John Carruthers, but uh, UT Chicago is how you can follow John. Revbrewing.com, GooseIslandBrewing.com. Uh, any big news from, uh, I know uh, I know Revolution had some news. What's going on with Goose? Uh, what is going on with us? Uh, we're getting... We've, we've had a bunch of different events. Pitchfork is a huge event yeah. for us. We did a really cool beer. It was a wit beer that we made with Park uh, Parquet Courts, one of the bands that played yesterday. Yeah. So it, it's they came in, the band came in, uh, sat down with some brewers and actually made the beer with us. And oh, we nice. made uh, a limited run, 50 barrels, for the actual festival. And how, 100... are, how are rockers as brewers? Well, it's it's always neat to bring people in, and you know we know beer from a certain perspective and angle, and like having them come in, and then it's like, what do you want to make? And they're like, I don't know, this or that. <laughs> but, I don't know, something um, foamy. Yeah, a couple years ago, we had the guys from Twin Peaks come in, and they're like, yeah, we want like a beer that we would drink in the garage while we're like practicing, like a garage <laughs> lager. So we're like, that doesn't exist. But then we made Natural Villain, and we call oh, it a garage, a garage lager. lager. I like so, it, garage lager. Yeah. <laughs> I need something for when I'm in the basement, crying in the corner. Can you make me a beer like that? <laughs> something dark and sad. What kind of beer can we make? We call this one guilt. <laughs> I need a shame saison. Do you have anything like that? There's something we could do. Uh, humiliation Hefeweizen. I get uh, notes anything. of mom's basement. Uh, <laughs> oh, there's uh, there's some good piney notes and the essence of a love forgotten. Hmm. Oh, this smells of desperation and tears. Is there any? It's very. Uh, I've got, it's under undertone. Very subtle though. This is our darkest show yet. <laughs> I, know, I, I like, I like where this I like is going. The way we're starting out. This could only this could only go uphill. I thought they were going to talk about beer. <laughs> we are. We're, not we're feelings. Creating. Listen, I'm sure these are not far from some of the conversations that some of your brewers have because. The ingredients that and, and the things that go into some of these, you know, you, you got to have some, you have some wild thoughts. Now, uh, so a lot going on as always with Revo, uh, with uh, Goose. A lot going on with Revolution. You just had your midlife crisis event on mm -hmm. Friday. We had our show outing. I think we're all still shaking off the, the show cowboys. outing. Was uh, <laughs> was nice. Uh, barley wines in the summer. People would scoff at that. Uh, perhaps that's why Jesse could not. He he's not down with drinking out of season. No, I'm not doing that. I was on my motorcycle. Yeah, Jesse was on his motorcycle. <laughs> he was getting tattooed. He was rescuing dames from uh, all and, sorts of jackpots and sunglasses. Oh, of course, you got and sunglasses. sunglasses. Just throw that in there. <laughs> so we were drinking. We were drinking uh, crazy barley wines on a hundred degree day. 
Yeah, it, it sounds was... like a recipe for disaster, and yet it was not. No, it's not what I Light, heard. refreshing. Uh, <laughs> the barley wines themselves were far under 100 degrees, which made it yes, that was pleasant. Good. The barley wines, and inside inside the tap room was well under 100 degrees, which was nice too. It was not too far under. You yeah. get you get that many people up there getting summer barley wine. It gets a little it gets uh, a little steamy, but I think everyone had a fun time. Neck beard sweat in the air. Hey, <laughs> there was, we love there was a lot we love of all our fans, no matter where their beard is located, <laughs> where it rests, where it sweats thankfully there was not a lot of flannel the beards were all there a lot of checkered shirts i i actually wore a checkered shirt because <laughs> mm-hmm. i was going there i thought i better wear a checkered shirt because i thought if i show up in like a wild floral tommy bahama i would be shunned no way oh, no, I, almost, awesome. I, I almost did wear a hawaiian shirt to that but it seemed like one more layer <laughs> exactly so i was like eh. part of my late life uh quest to become tom Selleck and magnum pi oh, <laughs> i want that chest I, hair because then you go from magnum pi you go to blue bloods tom Selleck is ageless i know and what a simpler time in american history where hairy shoulders were the idea of male beauty bring that yeah. back yeah he was he was the hairiest guy and he was without a shirt all the time and the tiny little shorts yeah. Little tiny shorts, very hairy. That's Burt Reynolds, man. Burt Reynolds, man. That yeah. guy, yeah. he killed it. He was a bear. He was a tall, slender bear. Now, now people are like, uh, now they're really not talking about beer. This is, this, this, I don't know what, uh, this at the breweries or at the weirdos. I don't know what kind of show they're doing here. Uh, you I, you got to bring, you got to mention this, because we all were fascinated with Chance the Snapper. Everybody, oh, yes, oh yes, man, yes. we couldn't get enough of that gator. Thank God there was something to distract us from all the other craziness that's going on in the world so we could focus on the Humboldt Park Lagoon and Revolution, always one to capitalize on uh, on a trend. Capitalize. We reflect our city's love of the weird, holy crap, one-offs. That, tomato, uh, tomato. We lose our... That's why I could never live anywhere else. They're just like, we have these collective moments where the city loses their mind, whether it's when Lakeshore shut down yep. during the blizzard, a gator shows up out of it nowhere. It was the greatest thing, I, this gator. So, so um, yes, we were... When the, when the story broke, when Block Club had that first photo and it was clearly not like a log or something... Right. We immediately tweeted, hey, attention other Chicago Brewers, we are officially claiming the name Humboldt Gator, you know, <laughs> and that, you now, put, the other, speaking as one of the other breweries, do you go, you can't call dibs on Humboldt Gator, or do you like, just go, all right, he got it first, dang it, revolution. They literally have a beer called dibs, so I don't think I, that, yeah, uh, they have a lovely, a if, lovely anyone respect, oh, he knows. if anyone, he knows. Re- if anyone knows. respects the game, I, think, I feel like it's their team, <laughs> <Who's> <laughs> anyway, so we, but we did, we have a, um, we have a beer coming out, uh, Called Humboldt Gator. It is a loving tribute to Chance the Snapper. <laughs> Do you think uh, people will remember that and drink and be like, oh, I remember this when it was relevant? It's literally coming out July 31st, Shady It's Too late, man. Too late. And wow. uh, it's a pineapple. A simpler time. We'll remember a simpler time. A pineapple <laughs> coconut whip beer. And um, yeah, a portion of that is going to go to a charity that we are still finding because it's not just a naked cash grab. We are going to try to put a little good back into the city with it. All right. Partially <laughs> uh, naked cash grab. Yeah. Yeah. Right, uh, uh, Cash grab and some Tom Selleck shorts in a summer gonna, tank. Are there going to be? Is there going to be cool swag to go with the beard? Please, uh, to that go with the beard? is a little. Not the beard, the beer. We had a beer. We were ready to rename. The swag takes a little longer. Um, See? I'll draw you. You know what? Listen, listening audience, you show up at Revolution. You just say, "Hey, John." You said you would draw me a gator. I would draw you a gator, and wow. you can have that. You could be like that guy that draws cats. Yeah, except that guy's but probably it's... talented. Be talented. We'll get I you mean, some sharpies. How much can that cost? An easel? Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Start right, practicing, right. man. I'd love to see your gator work. 
right, so Humboldt Gator coming out. Yeah, we're going to. That sounds delicious. Jesse we're going to gator too far down. in the future. Because uh, you know, <laughs> our collective memories can't go back two weeks. Jesse's <laughs> about as cold blooded as that gator. Ooh. Hey. Wow. Wow. It is. He it came is, out snapping. It's, uh, uh. Can we drink beer? So yes. Can we? <laughs> let's talk about beer. All right. Oh, yeah, beer. So for, for the uninitiated, the guys come in. Um, and we talk about different styles of beer. We've done all kinds of things. Now, you've brought in uh, you've brought in a number of different bottles and cans. What is our topic today? All right. So you know how we like to walk, give you all a, a loving walkthrough of the prairie of classical beer styles and history. Oh, yes. We're blowing that all up this week. What we are focusing on this week is beers that have something added to them, whether it's fruit, chocolate, nuts. Um, these crazy flavor additions that brewers make, they're called, we call them adjuncts in the business. Uh, you can just call it wacky stuff, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to open some really cool beer with some uh, off-kilter ingredients and see how everybody likes it. Very nice. We will uh, get our first off-kilter beer on the other side. But if you have a question for the guys, as always, about any type of beer, 312-981-7200. John Carruthers, Jesse Valenciana, me, Cody. It's at the breweries, and it's on 720 WGN. It is at the breweries once a month. Uh, John Carruthers and Jesse Valenciana come in, and they talk about beer with you at 312-981-7200. Different styles, as John said, walking us through the, uh, I'm going to mess up your, uh, the prairies of classic beers. Is that the what verdant, Yes, the verdant <laughs> fields of adult beverage oh, history. My Lord. Beautiful. This that guy. is poetic. He's You're like, lucky you are married. Yeah. Well, no, I think, you know, you got that kind of silver-tongued devil move to you where you're going to uh, walk a woman through fertile fields of classic <laughs> beverages. I love it. Um, so we are talking, go to, uh, follow John at UT Chicago and see more of his silver-tongued droppings on uh, Instagram or uh, Twitter. And Jesse is Jesse Mambicue on Twitter. And it's, uh, of course, GooseIsland.com and RevBrewing.com. Um all right, we're talking about adjuncts. We're taking we're taking ingredients, and as I always say, I think brewers are uh, half lunatic, half mad scientist. Because who else would think of some of the things that we are going to talk about being in beers, going in beer? Um, what was where? How did this start? How did the adjuncts start? Because we know about you know we, you guys have talked a lot about barrel aging and that pro and how that kind of got going and goose starting that and uh, but how did you know? All right, one of the beers we're going to talk about later has ramen noodles in it. Yeah, to be fair, that was just as surprising to us as to you. Okay, but, <laughs> but when did, was there a point where somebody, do you do you know who like the first person was that added something crazy, or how did this all begin? So we were talking about this, and some of it is, is calculated. So like, you know, I'll say like Bourbon County Stout, the base beer that we put in those barrels uh, is made a certain way, and if you drink it without it being barrel-aged, it's got a whole different flavor, right? Right. And once it's barrel-aged... Um, you're you're pulling on all these different flavors from the, from the barrel, so then you have that beer and you add adjuncts. So like what we do is we try to complement the flavors that are already naturally coming out of that wood. Okay. So some of that is is natural, you know. It's like you add vanilla. Vanilla's in that wood. Um, right. You know, like roastiness. If you do like coffee, it all makes sense. But then you get other people that are doing crazy stuff like. You know, like a pickled saison. <laughs> Who the hell puts pickles in a beer? Like, oh, that dill. Yeah, the Mars made that dill Berliner voice. Yeah, and it tastes exactly like what it promises. Like you know, to your to your peril. So there's. I you know, was going to say, who wants to drink pickle juice? Uh, this is pretty. I I didn't hate it. There's somebody. <laughs> somebody know. just did a, like a celery drink. salt something too. Ooh, that's yeah. pretty good. Now, when when a brewery decides to do this, they're doing this on a very small scale, right? You you might have an idea and go, all right, we're going to do. 
I don't know, you guys, how many barrels of the or of barrel? Well, uh, or, or do they just if it's packaged, man? You know, like well, yeah, 21st Amendment out of San Francisco, that Heller High Watermelon yeah, you've been seeing everywhere. That stuff is good. Great, delicious, refreshing summer beer. That's that's a large scale beer. You can get that coast to coast. That's a national. But you think when they first did it. They, no, they, that was probably was a tiny batch to see if they didn't hate it. Right, so that's that's what I'm saying. You could, is it, is it hard for a brewery of uh, goose or revolution size, or even even a medium sized brewery in town, if they have an idea like this, is it hard to just brew a small batch, or is that is that an easy an easy thing? Well, you can do like we have a um, like a little a two barrel system. That's our pilot system. Okay. So we can do stuff. There's a lot of beers that, like, if you guys ever come by, I'll take you upstairs to the tap deck, and there's beers that might might never see the light of day. Okay. Kind of like experimental beers. But, you know, the beers that we're drinking, these guys made a big enough batch where they spent money on canning, you know, labels. So that's not cheap, and you wouldn't do, like, a small 10-barrel right. batch. Like, you're talking, like, 20, these 30 barrels. Yeah. I have to take issue with one thing you said, uh, the thing we're drinking, because we're obviously not. We're doing a lot of talking. What are we going right. to start? Let's get the first <laughs> adjunct. So, Let's get an adjunct in. <laughs> so <laughs> we are... I'm, I'm a little dry over I poured a couple um, just because we've got a lot of crazy beers to get through, and I want to give your listeners the biggest bang for their dollar. We want yes. them to taste um, it. So the first one we have is from our friends at Pipeworks. It's called Pineapple Bling. It's a gorgeous can. It's a Belgian golden ale brewed with pineapple juice, lime zest, and uh, lime juice. And then next to that, uh, our friends from Mars, masters of the pickle beer. Uh, <laughs> I've got their Jungle Boogie Wheat Ale. and Ooh, uh, I like the name. This, has, this is made with this... Um, this bush from uh, southern Africa called rooibos that it makes kind of a red herbal tea, so it's got some of that in there, and it's got a very tea-like. I mean, these beers are very different from each other, yeah, but yeah. they both kind of add. They try to bring in like a little extra bit of brightness uh, with what they're adding. Also, uh, if either of you can guess uh, <laughs> how big that pipeworks beer is in terms of ABV, I've got a shiny dollar for oh, you. Oh yeah, this is. That's the pineapple one. Yeah. yeah. It almost it it has a, a viscosity. Like a barley wine, to a point, just not only that mouthfeel of. So I'm going to guess this is pretty high. I'm going to go eight point three. Wow, You're, it's it a, is ten and a half. It's ten and a half. Ten and a half. <laughs> yeah, because you hear a pineapple <laughs> pineapple beer, you think, oh, that's going to be light. It's going to be sessionable for hot weather drinking. Yeah, no, they and it tastes it <laughs> tastes this it. way, but yeah, yeah they they're it's not a, messing around. It's a curveball really beer. I like that. It is delicious too. What I really like about the Mars is the aroma on that. Um, Right on the nose, it's like citrusy. It's like very tropical fruity. I really like that about the Mars um, Jungle Boogie. Both are very good. We got a text, and before we go to the news, and uh, then we will continue with our adjuncts, um, I listen to this show, and my son, who is into craft beer, can't believe how much I know. So you guys are educated. <laughs> uh, question for you, John. Will the Humboldt Gator only be available at the uh, in the tap rooms, or will it be? Will you be selling it in the stores as well? So this is a smaller batch, uh, this pineapple coconut beer. We're made about 30 barrels, I believe. Um, the Humboldt Gator will only be available at the tap room and the brew pub. Uh, and if people want to take it home, we've got Crowlers, those big 32-ounce cans. Nice. And that's, uh, as a, again, Jesse says, way too late for this cultural <laughs> phenomenon. But July, what starting July 31st. July know, 31st, yes. Get some Humboldt Gator. Smaller and John, Gator, smaller And batch. if you mention this program, John will draw you a Gator. I will. I don't want a Humboldt brag, but I'm pretty good at drawing <laughs> Gators. Go to commercial. Go to commercial. <laughs> we'll be back with more. It's at the Brewers on WGN. Jesse Valenciana, John Carruthers are here. It is our monthly at the Brewery 
Breeze segment, 312-981-7200. If you have a, a question for the guys, please, please, please follow them both on Twitter, at UT Chicago for John and at Jesse Manbecue for Jesse. Uh, they, they're so much more than beer. They are all about uh, smoked meats and grills and food and beer and all sorts of stuff. And uh, today we are talking about adjuncts. It's when a brewer gets a wild hair and decides, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to add some uh, ramen noodles to this beer. And because <laughs> I like the taste, there's an underlying flavor of uh, pineapple that I want to add to this to enhance it. So we are talking all about adjuncts. We had a lovely uh, a lovely pineapple. Uh, that was our first one. And then a, what was the second one? The Rooibos Tea. The Rooibos Tea. Maz. And now we are moving into... I mean, let's not bury the lead. This deranged maniac in Texas made this beer called Cup O Beer. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, goes, uh... It literally says noodle flavor on the front, so you <laughs> know they're not they're flavor. not selling it low. You know, they're right on Front Street. This has ramen noodles, lime zest, ginger, lemongrass, and seaweed, and it's. You know, I'm gonna I, say I, I know nothing about this brewery. This isn't a local one. We usually try to hit right. the local. Who, who but like, is the brewery? who turned down the. Uh, the Collective Brewing Project out of Texas. It could be some Texas it's dude be Austin, in garage. Right? No, no idea who they are, but like, come on, I'm not, I'm not going to walk past this bottle on the day we're doing this. <laughs> right. Is that this one? That's this one. Yeah. All right. So, so the, it's actually, I was reading more on the label, and it's it's a Goza beer, because I was, there's a, a lot. There's a lot going on on the, on the, on the label. <laughs> a lot. And it's like, oh, the Brett series. So I'm, immediately I'm like, oh, it's a farmhouse, but yeah. it's a Goza, which is not really the same, but. Explain again, because we've talked about Gozas before, but give a. a yeah, so Goza's Goza. originated in the Goza region of Germany. Uh, now they're mostly brewed in Leipzig, the, the traditional ones. So they, they use, uh, uh, well, <laughs> it's more of a tart beer. It's got salt, coriander. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I'm going to say, John, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't eat ramen in college. I'm not drinking ramen as a full-grown man. Yeah. This, is not, this is not for me. Uh, this is one of the few <laughs> traditional German beers you can add stuff to outside of, you know, the barley, yeah. yeast, you know, the whole German. <laughs> this has salt in it. Um, That's, yes. It's like. Originally, was that was the mineral content in the water, and then you add lactobacillus. That's where you get the tartness from. But from we've had beer. other gozas that, that I enjoy. Yeah. Well, this happens, one seems se- exceptionally salty. It is like eating ramen, which are exceptionally salty. You they also did so not they didn't skimp on the lemongrass. Yeah, they did not. The, the thing when you make a goza in the United States, uh, you're not getting that mineral content, so you have to add salt to it or MSG. No. Hey, oh, good It's unique. Okay. I'll it, say that. Well, see, you can say that. You right, can say saw, it's unique because you're in the industry. I can say, we man, gonna... I do not like this at all. <laughs> you said we were going to try some new stuff today. It's fun. You know? See, but this. Isn't this, this is why, you know, originally I started getting more into beer. Because you just want to try it. Yeah. What's the worst that happened? You taste it and you go, eh. That's why I love going to, to breweries and tap rooms where they're offering the two-ounce the two ounce pour or the, the three, you know the small pour for a couple bucks. So for $2, I can try something. If I like it, hey, that's great. It's a bonus. If I don't, all right, so I'm out two bucks. It's, it, yeah. it's not a big deal. You know, yeah. you try different styles. You try different different things. I think the ultimate expression of the ramen beer style would be if they managed to just, like, serve you a dehydrated cube and you pour the water over it and it oh, becomes be ramen hilarious. beer. So you, like, drink it in. <laughs> yeah, they just serve it in a little bowl, yeah. and you pick it up like a, a tea at a, at a Japanese restaurant yeah. and you go, oh, these are very good. Slice, <laughs> of, uh, slice of American cheese, crumble up some flaming Hot Cheetos on it. 
<laughs> some sadness to sprinkle on top. Yeah, I'm sad after just that little uh, little sample. Um, I, you know, you've not liked stuff we brought on before, but this is like the, the this is the first like anguished phase. I feel like we have a little emotional peak behind the curtain. I, uh, here. Yeah, this one, this one, I'm uh, hard past. Like, I was, you, I was you, trying I'm, to explain actually, what it goes as. I'm just, cleaning this palate. Listeners, Brian <laughs> looks like he left the stove on and just realized it every time he takes a sip. <laughs> This is uh, this is if I were drinking uh, drinking beer filtered through my underpants. I think this is kind of what this uh, ramen noodle beer is. I, you're right. There have been things that I'm like I haven't been crazy about, and it's like oh okay. Is it this one? I'm I'm offended by this beer. I think that's the thing with adjunct <laughs> beers. Good. This is from out of town because we can kind of you no, know. No, like... I like Texas. Everything's bigger in Texas, including their mistakes. <laughs> this is a this is a huge huge error. But listen. God bless you. I, I'm not going to tread on you. You want to make ramen noodle beer? What's next? You know, I maybe a flaming hot Cheeto saison uh, or uh, don't give these guys an are, idea. Revolution's <laughs> going to go out and start making flaming hot Cheeto saisons. Look, there, well, whichever there one been, of you leaves the room first, you're going to call your R and D people. There've been flaming hot Cheeto bags in that lagoon for years, and we haven't made a beer. <laughs> All right, let's move on from this abomination against the wow, Lord. Tell and us how beer. you really feel. That's I think really I... not nice way to describe Jesse. No, no, no. Jesse is not an abomination against <laughs> everybody, just certain people. Uh, it's this ramen noodle beer that I, I think offends, uh, should offend the sensibility of all beer drinkers. What's right. next? <laughs> we, uh, we are local again. We're hopefully less horrified. Uh, Hailstorm These Brewing Company. These people could have been from downstairs. I would have hated this beer. It has nothing to do with the fact that they're from Texas. We're going to have some Texas militia knocking on our doors, and I'm really scared. <laughs> Hailstorm Brewing. I like a nice Shiner Bach. I, I, drank, I drank my weight in Lone Star when I was in college. I'm, I'm all good with Texas. So are you pretty much like, hey, Collective Brewing, stay in your lane. <laughs> I'm going to mess with you. No, no, no. He's literally messing with Texas. I, am, I will not mess with Do Texas. Do not mess with, mess I, with Texas. Just the, one rule. Just this morning I remembered the Alamo. I have absolutely no problem with Texas. <laughs> two things. Remember the Alamo and don't mess with Texas. Oh, and I've just broken one of those rules. Fine, two rules. All right, let's get to the local beer, which obviously I'm going to suck up to because they're so, right here. <laughs> so this is a Hailstorm Brewing out of Tinley Park. Love them, Hailstorm. Uh, this is a hazy milkshake pale ale. So milkshake is when you make a very sweet, focused IPA with lactose, lactose for some body nice. um this is made with sabro hops which are very tropical in themselves galaxy hops which are from australia another pretty fruit forward thing and key limes so this is called blimey you know i like a good pun so we, do love we brought this one on we're all about puns <laughs> it's got a lot of tartness from the key lime. a lot of tartness more so than a key lime pie more, yeah. key, more tart than. than I mean, I'm kind of surprised after this extremely aggressive uh, ramen noodle ramen. beer. Can I'm we like, not talk about that ramen noodle beer? I'm just saying that had lime and lemongrass. <laughs> Cody, and come I'm in still... and get that bottle out of here. I'm offended that it's even in my studio. That's in the past, just like Chance the Snapper. Mm. Ouch. <laughs> you know what's in the future, though? Humboldt Gator. Uh, <laughs> I think this is, for this me, is I'm, I'm not an IPA guy. I, I like the citrus going on in there, but the end is. It's just a style that That's I don't a like. Pale. Yeah, it's yeah. like 5%. It's not a super big Oh, is beer. it a pill? It, it comes across on my palate very bitter at the end. Mm -hmm. I will agree with that. There's a the tartness, because like you said, you think of a milkshake IPA is yeah. going to be a tiny bit sweeter. And this is much more tart forward. Not where I could drink a little of this. I'm not a sour guy. We've talked about that before. This is the, the tartness, though. It's like if you took a handful of sweet tarts and put them in your mouth. It's it's that tart, yeah, to me. 
I, I kind of like the vanilla through the middle. Apparently, I put vanilla beans in this. Uh, I like it. It's it kind of softness there. Yeah, it kind of exactly. It softens up the middle. It is a little more fragrant. Um, I I don't hate this. Why guys. does it? I I don't hate it either. Why does it change so much at the end? What what when you're, you know, you guys know the the nuts and bolts of of the flavor profiles and things. Why does it? Why does a beer start out one way and then end so different? What could be the bittering hops? Um, it could also be citrus. I mean, citrus in itself, when you use it in a beer, has just naturally occurring bitterness, uh, especially, you know, the rind. Just like feel. everybody in this room. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of naturally occurring bitterness. Yeah, in sometimes here. beer doesn't have bitterness, and sometimes it's so bitter you think that you got to the name Humboldt Gator first, and that's why it's <laughs> acting like that. Wow. <laughs> oh, this show started out dark, and it just keeps getting darker. I love it. Love it. <laughs> All right, so we've got this is from uh, Hailstorm, which is in Tinley Park. Mm -hmm. I know they're having. I just because I follow you know all these uh, microbrews. I know they're having a big event sometime. They're Let me always ask you guys this because Oktoberfest. Everybody's gearing up for Oktoberfest mm -hmm. because the Oktoberfest releases all come sometime in early September, right? Yeah. I mm -hmm. know Goose always has one. Revolution has a good Oktoberfest. Is it so we can get the so we're all good before October? Is that uh, why we start going uh, in October September? Oktoberfest is actually in September, September. Uh, in Munich. They changed it years ago because October in Bavaria was real gross, kind of like October here. Okay. Um, but no, it's also because everyone needs to be first on the shelf. Like if your sure. distributor asks you, you know, hey, I need an Oktoberfest, and you don't have it, they're going to go to the next guy. So okay. it's the same reason you see all the Rudolph stuff uh, the day after uh, Thanksgiving at Walgreens. <laughs> really the day after There's Halloween. pumpkin right. spice beers already out there. It's already? so gross. Well, in the fall, we'll talk about that because I know you guys have strong feelings oh, about yeah. uh, pumpkin and pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice ales are like ramen noodle. Wow. All right. Good. All right. We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that in the fall. So Oktoberfests are coming. So this is this is from Hailstorm. It is their mm -hmm. looks like me. Yeah. Blimey. Collaboration with the Open Bottle. Uh, yeah. Hazy milkshake pale ale, five percent. Vanilla, lactose, and key limes. Delicious. All right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to move into some uh, oh, heavier beers. We We've are going to get silly. We're going to get uh, <laughs> we're going to get nuts. Uh, John Carruthers and Jesse Valenciana are here, or you can say Jesse Valenciana and John Carruthers. I don't. The, the the billing doesn't really matter to me. The fact that they never bring me another beer from the Texas Beer Collective is what's really oh, important. That's right. <laughs> I have banned the Texas Beer Collective. Sorry, no, guys. The, they can try again <laughs> if they bring me something maybe they you know i want uh tatsiki sauce saison something like that, totina's pizza roll porter yeah, yes let's do it i love alliteration and i love crazy ingredients <laughs> so those are the two uh, the two criteria if you are listening texas beer collective that's what we need ramen noodle <laughs> out all right uh let's do this then we will get to uh so much more it's at the breweries where here wgn jesse valenciana john carruthers cody goff we like uh we like beer we like to share beer knowledge uh and by share beer knowledge i mean i ask these guys questions and they share their beer knowledge and we just uh try to enjoy we are talking about adjuncts ingredients that brewers add to their beer to make them more interesting they have ideas and then they share them with you some ideas should never be shared <laughs> Such uh, as? Well, let's just say noodle flavor beer. Some <laughs> ideas. It, come on, let's be honest. We've all had thoughts that we think, you know what? I'm going to keep this to myself. It's probably best that I don't say this out loud to other people. <laughs> because one, it's hurtful. Two, they may judge me. Three, they'll realize that I'm a lunatic. This is my theory about that past beer. But we're going to move on. 
Now we're moving into yes. It's it's cool to to be in, in a time where you can have you can taste the beer that you know it's made with it's inspired by ramen or whatever. Sure, but you know it's also cool to be able to levitate. I don't need to levitate. You know, it's cool that some people like to drive electric scooters around town. I'm not going to do it. I think it's nuts. You're a real free association right now, aren't you? I'm, listen, John, I'm all about... Once once the, uh, what is the, the inherent bitterness takes hold, then, then, things, just, then things just move. Yes, so, uh, but we're moving on. Life is about moving forward, not looking into the past. But the bottle is still in here because Cody will not come in and get it out of this studio. I know another producer if this he guy doesn't so work He's so fired. Out. We got to get it. We, I got to get somebody who listens to me. He knows the <laughs> conflict makes great radio. He does. I want that bottle removed from the studio. He wants you to throw studio. it in the street. I want you to go and Burn it. beat somebody to death with it. Burn that bottle. Oh, oh, I want no. you to chug it. I oh, want, my God. Come here. I'm going to take a picture of you chugging it. That was a spiteful swig. <laughs> it was. Do you see that? He was trying to prove me wrong. And now Man. Get, out, get on that microphone, smart Alec. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think after your big chug? It tastes like salt. Right. It tastes just <laughs> like salt. It's like I dumped it's... a thing of Morton salt in uh, in my mouth. It's like I went to the on? ocean and I thought to my... Yeah, it's on. It's, it's like I went to the ocean and I thought to myself, hmm, I need a nice refreshing drink of nothing. And then I just <laughs> swallowed the salt water. Hmm. All right, let's leave that alone. Tart and lightly salty. No, That's underselling it. They lie. You know, not everything coming out of Texas can be as awesome as Willie Nelson. That balances the universe. That does? All right, fair point. All it's right. only 4.4%? 4. 4. 4. And it's 100% awful. At least yeah, you can't get wrecked on salt. 4.4% alcohol, 370% bad idea. That's science, and that, that should be on the label. That is science. All right, let's move on. I, gotta, I, I have to cleanse my uh, mental palate of that. <laughs> All right, so uh, we this one better this one better not be as old. Oh, we have two big silly stouts, but before let's do a little palate reset Ooh, here yes. with Pollyanna Summerly. This is a wheat ale with raspberries. This is just a great summer beer from it looks an excellent local brewery. Pollyanna is a great uh, great brewery. This is a fun looking beer. It's got a nice. Oh man, isn't that good? That's wonderful raspberry yeah. taste. I've yeah, never yeah. had this. Want to take a picture of uh, the cool color on that one? <clears throat> I saw it on the shelf, and, and in my head, I really wanted to do a wheat beer. And rooibos was a wheat. Yeah, of course I know what raspberries are. Uh, tea is mostly I just know it from the beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my! Yeah, this is you know what I like. You about have this? you it's... have redeemed yourselves, gentlemen. Yeah, well, he brought this one in. The the ramen beer the... is my fault. <laughs> no, the ramen beer had to come. I understand. Hey, you know, the ramen beer is Texas. If fault. I if I were in your guys' shoes, I would have said we got to bring this ramen beer too. Of course, you got to bring the ramen beer, and then we all must suffer. But this Pollyanna this is so good, and it's, it's, it's crusher, got that man. wonderful raspberry character, like fresh fruit, yes. summer flavored. But it's not it's not sweet. It's not cloying. It doesn't, and it's not like, a sour. Yeah, it, and you don't, you, just, you it get keeps really, you coming like, back. It, there's like a really really slight tartness, but you get the essence of strawberry, which is awesome. So it's, you're not tasting the sweetness. Raspberry, getting, yeah, raspberry. Sorry. Um, so you're getting that like really nice berry essence without it being this like sweet bomb. This beer is fantastic. Tell if we the can... tell the style again. What style is it? It's, it's a, a wheat, wheat ale. Yeah. It's just a wheat. It's a wheat ale, but with raspberries. Yeah. If yeah, if you take one thing from our rants about Tom Selleck and ramen noodles and gators, go buy this beer. This yeah. is wonderful. <laughs> yeah. If you made it to, to this point, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you are my mom listening at home, right? Uh, so Mrs. Carruthers, go buy Pollyanna. Now I've 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 had Pollyanna before. I've never been to their tap room. I hear wonderful things about it. Um, they do this solid is, beer. Yeah, I really like their this stuff. This is really nice. Yeah. And tell great. me the name of this one again. It's called Summerly. Summerly, and it's a raspberry. But again, 
you do get you get a lot of the raspberry without any of the extra yeah. things that you sometimes think of when you you're gonna have a fruit based and, and this is four point eight. This isn't this isn't sneaky oh. like the uh, pineapple bling. You know, this is uh, what are they, what the kids call sessionable. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Oh. I like to throw I like to throw in a beer term now and then so people go, Oh, I guess he doesn't it's not just <laughs> Who, you know is this man? All right. So Thus yeah. refreshed, thus yes, we're happy again. Re- yeah. The inherent bitterness Reborn is tapped into the out world. as it always is. Look we how happy he looks now. Two silly, silly stouts to, to end on. Uh, this one is made of dirty socks. And Jesse brought both of these. From this Pennsylvania. One, this one is Salamoth, beverage of champions. This is barrel aged coffee milk stout with hazelnuts. And, I've been sitting uh, on this puppy. Yeah, that's. Weird that it's cold, though. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> what are you trying to hatch it? Why are, why are you sitting on it? <laughs> but yeah, this is uh, nuts. You'll see nuts in beer. Uh, More Brewing has a stout that they have. Uh, I think it was macadamia nuts. More um, Brewing has a stout? Yeah, right. Sorry, this is a beer, beer guy dork. joke. They make a lot of- <laughs> I love the inside <laughs> beer jokes. And then the other one is uh, Hubbard's Cave. <laughs> this is great. Their subtlety, it's just so good. It's called French Toast. <laughs> <laughs> Hubbard's Cave. Hubbard's Cave, would they they have to be very close, right? Uh, are they near Hubbard's Cave? They are. Or are they just like the name? I think. No, they're in Niles. Yeah, and it's brewed at Unani in Nile in uh in Niles, so they're yeah. brewed out of there. Um, some breweries, uh, especially when they're getting started, will brew out at another person's facility. Like Saint Laurent does it over at Beguile. Um, Hot Butcher does it at Miskatonic down in Darien. What's the place where they have three brewers or four brewers in one spot? District Brew Yards. We brought one of. The, we actually brought something from Bulldog, which is one of those uh, that maybe we can Facebook Live. Yes, it. we'll do it in the after. But let's let's talk about I, this. Oh, this uh, coffee stout is nice. Wild French. Oh yeah. I haven't gotten to the French toast yet. I wanted to do the French toast last. Let's go to the the sweet hazelnut first. The a little bit more subtle. Ooh, that that's good. That's really the hazelnut character is cool. It's like it's not overly coffee. It's not like bitter. It's not acidic like you can get in coffee beers sometimes. Um, I, I wonder how they added the the coffee because you know I don't know if they recirculated it through beans or if they added cold brew in there. But I'm sure they just put the pot in and pressed the button. Yeah, <laughs> they made Mr. the beer here. Mr. Beery, <laughs> you go click, set the timer. Uh, for people who are who are listening to this and they're like, boy, some of these adjuncts sound uh, interesting, but I don't know if I want to uh, completely invest. I know places like uh, Binnie's and other lo- liquor stores, you can go and, and just buy single cans so you can make things up. Is mm-hmm. that is that a good way to try to, to get into these? Yes. Um, check the date because oh, um, yeah. sometimes, you know, and I'm not, this is not, Binnie's is sure. fantastic. Right, right. But sometimes, you know, like the beer in those sampler packs and they're not usually refrigerated sometimes. Right. Um, yeah, they're not. It's just a little older. You just want to get the freshest beer you can. But those, I, that is a great way to make your own thing. I went to Bottles and Cans. Uh, before this to make mine, and I took off the mix shelf too to get nice. some of these. That's uh, you know, that was the ramen beer. If, well, if it wasn't for mix shelves, you wouldn't have had that ramen. Well, beer. yeah, see, and that, but that's that's good because you can go. Well, God forbid you had bought like six bottles of that ramen Ooh. beer. That would have been horrendous. But if you end up with a, a four pack of this Pollyanna summertime or this, uh, who is who did the hazelnut? This is Sal- 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 yeah. beverage of champions. Another great uh, local brewery and. Um, well, this is good. Somebody said, uh, somebody texted in from the 847, a bartender once made me a black and tan with one of Pollyanna's beers, and it was the best black and tan I ever had. Nice. That's from Scott. It's cool to, to blend. There, there's so many different styles, right? So, like, yeah. sometimes you get, like, a really super fruity beer that you have in the tap room, and, like, to blend it with something else that's, like, more of a neutralizing flavor, it's cool. You know, like, if you have a wheat ale and you have, like, a lime, a key lime Berliner Weiss, it 
need to like blend and, and taste and, and see what you yeah, like. Yeah, we, we do that at the brewery too. We uh, Our barrel brewer, Marty, he has a Neapolitan thing with Straight Jacket, Eugene, mm. and I can't remember the third thing, but it's fantastic. Oh, really? Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah, you know, we're drinking the same stuff day in, day out, and eventually we want to mix it up. Hold on while we cry a little river for you guys. Yeah, it's uh, a tough life. <laughs> we work at breweries and we have, to, we have to drink beer all the time. Who said? All right, we are going to uh, we got to take a break, and then it'll be time to go to the news. But we will talk about this French toast stout from Hubbard's Cave when we go to Facebook. So as soon as we throw to the news, Smell it. join us on Facebook Live, <laughs> oh, Brian Noonan Show on Facebook. We will uh, do our final segment there. Uh, let's do this first, and then there's more. It's WGN. All right, we'll be going to Facebook Live, and uh, while we're doing that, Karen Conti will be on the radio. Hello, Karen. Hello, Brian. How are you? I am well. How are you? I'm doing good. So uh, a lot of things going on. I know the biggest story. There, there are no legal battles against that alligator. Everything's good. Oh, He's I, fine. I already missed that story, don't you? I do. It was a beautiful distraction from all the horrendous stuff that's going on and in this country. And who knew that we would think an alligator was cute? I love it. I was all I, about yeah, that alligator yeah. story. I miss him. And you know what? I don't understand. Why didn't they keep him in Chicago? It would have been a huge pull, a huge draw to Brookfield Zoo right. or Lincoln Park Zoo. They could have made millions of dollars because I would have gone to see that and, little And they could guy. have sold merch. They could have done a Absolutely. lot of stuff. It was very short-sighted to send him back to uh, totally Florida. Totally agree. Plus, who really, unless you're, uh, he's not a 65-year-old alligator. He yeah. doesn't want to move to Florida right no, now. No, he, do- he doesn't. He's That's not for retiring ready yet for that. I, yes. I agree. You know, a golf cart and a uh, <laughs> assisted living facility. That's not for him. Eating dinner at 4.30? No. Come on. Oh, please. <laughs> Don't knock dinner at 4.30. It's fantastic. <laughs> no, then you could have dessert all night. Uh, so, <laughs> R. Kelly, uh, another another blow for R. Kelly. No pun intended. He, uh, oh. that was... Uh, I just, sort of called it, you know, Brian. I hate to say because when I when I don't call it right, I, I never bring that to anyone's attention. But when he, <laughs> yeah, when, you don't really take you don't when, take credit for your mistakes. I but don't. That's I okay. never. I never take credit for my mistakes. I'm sort of like a millennial that way. Sorry. Um, <laughs> wow. Well, that was. We are breaking bad on everybody from Texas Brewers to millennials to Gators. No one is safe from our wrath. When when R. Kelly was arrested walking his dog, I thought to myself, "This is the last time this man will ever walk anywhere," because. Yeah. I knew that once the feds got him and looking at those charges, he was obstructing justice. It yeah. was pretty clear according to the allegations. So that first trial that we had so many years ago now, 10-something years ago, um, he paid people, according to the allegations, to leave the country to lie, paid the money to say they didn't. They, this, the girl who was in the video wasn't in the video. That's obstruction. And federal yeah. courts say, you know, if you did that once, you're going to do it again, and we can't have that. We're going to put you in there. Not that you're really a danger to society, although he may be, right. uh, but the obstruction part of that, bye-bye. All right. And what else are you talking about tonight? I've got Sylvia Perez from Fox. Oh, very nice. She's uh, been in the news for 30 years. We're going to just kick around some news stories, what's going on in Puerto Rico. I had just been there. Yeah. So, of course, I leave there, and they're having riots. You know, it's, Well, the, your timing has always been impeccable. It's always, That's, people <laughs> always Paris, say that about you. And they had the shooting the next week. I was in um, Barcelona, and they had the shooting on the Rambla. Are I'm you like, some sort of uh, international curse, then? Is that I would like you to leave the studio, Karen. <laughs> yes, because God only knows what's going to happen when Karen leaves here. Seriously. Uh, so, all right. So, you're going to talk about that? Yeah, Puerto Rico is crazy that the uh, you know the rev- the the protests against the uh, the governor and, yeah. and people the, diverting cruise ships away because of the unrest. But well, we're going to talk Juan. about other fun things about rideshare. You know what happens when you are in a really creepy rideshare situation, or someone does something bad or charges you too much? We're going to talk about that. All right, good because uh, I think all rideshares are creepy.
Uh, <laughs> but that's just me. Again, Breaking Bad on everything. All right, well, have a wonderful Thank show. You. We will talk Good to, to you again. You, Roger is being very patient, but that's what Roger does. He is patient. Are you all right? We see you there, Roger. We're coming. Are you okay? I am fine, all sir. All right, good. Uh, we'll be going on Facebook Live to finish up at the breweries. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of the program. Uh, Karen Conti on uh, her way after the news. Chicago Stories told 24-7 on 720 WGN Chicago. Smart speaker users, just say play WGN Radio on TuneIn, and then the machines will rule your life. The news is sponsored by Team Hochberg. Uh, it's way after 7, but here's Roger Badish.